This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Anthony, Cody, Boezy, Jeremy, Oh Them Bones, Allie, Shining Donut 911, Nathan, Mr. Ragebomb, Libby, West, Dreskel, Aaron, Danielle, Amy, Tia, Lauren, Dave, Jonathan, Scott, Kate, Alex, Isaac, and Karoon. But... Because it's that special time of the month, we get to shout out our You Can Get It level sponsors. And they are Leo Alexandra, Emily Brooklyn, The Macho Man DeLorean, Tori, Eli, Jamie, Bryce, Sean, Logan, Dominic, Jamie, Trigger Happy Mongoose, Alex, Shayna, Ali, Dr. Voorhees, MD, Matt, Megan, Amelia, Brandy, Maxwell, Lisa, Courtney, AJ, Spider Gwen, Lisa, Rock Doggy, Kristen, Irene, Bex, Naomi, Mallory, Gage, Lori, Richie, Casey, Daisy, Jaxie, Alisa, Mushroom Snail Fox, Jennifer, and Michelle. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. And whether you support the show or not, if you want to hang out with us daily, get in that Facebook group and or Discord server where we are hanging out, like I said a second ago, daily. I'm going to Chicago tomorrow. Why? For work. <laughs> the amount of times we've shit on Chicago is not enough. We need to shit on <laughs> Chicago more. <laughs> For the record, I have not shit on Chicago, so I feel like it's safe for me to go there. Mikey, you, not so much. I hate everywhere and all peoples. <laughs> How's that going for you in your public service job? If you've ever met a public servant, they have the same mindset. Yeah, they hate people. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in the Horror Virgin on Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, the listeners made us watch Scream, Scream 4. 4. We should probably explain why we're doing the listener request earlier than we usually do. Poor planning. Not really. I mean, it's because... No, good planning. Yeah, it's because I'm going plan. to Chicago for almost a week for work and um, can't record while I'm there. And we had to accommodate a guest schedule for an upcoming episode. So And that's we could why. not have that guest. It's it's unacceptable. And we also couldn't not have the listener request. So we moved it around to accommodate everybody. Yeah, it worked. So have you guys seen this movie before? No, I had never seen this one before. Oh, really? I have. Because I think as I talked about on the last one, I'd seen the original Scream and then none of the sequels. Because I'm like, this first one's good, but whatever. And... I was very, very happy and vindicated in this movie for a character to be like, yo, the timeline for Stab doesn't make sense. I was like, fucking thank you. That's all I thought about. Yes! Here's Paige's person. I'm glad she gets murdered quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but and here's the crazy part. Like, as they were going through it, I was like, people must have complained at the time. <laughs> People at the time must have been like, wait, this doesn't make... Somebody must have given them a note. Yeah, I mean, pages have always existed. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure people at the time were like, um, excuse me, Mr. Bird Dr Director Man. Yeah, I'm sure that happened. I don't understand this fake movie series. I, and I get it. Everybody has their thing that they can't stop ranting against. I got some. You got some, Todd. Paige has got the stab movies the inside stab the franchise. screen movies. Wait, 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 wait. Mikey, what is it that I rant against? I want to hear what you think it is. Oh, capitalism, 100%. You want to eat the rich. Like, as much as we want to eat everyone else, you want to eat the rich. Which is ironic because you also want to 
become rich. So it's yeah. kind of like an eat yourself aura borealis snake. I like that you called it an aurora borealis snake. An ouroboros. Like ouroboros is the word you're looking for. No, 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 no. Paige, this is not one that eats itself. It just looks very pretty in the <laughs> sky. Woo, colors. The kind yeah. of rich I want to be is not the kind of rich that I'm mad at. I'm never going to be like an Elon Musk billionaire, but you would still be the 1% of the world, which puts you in that, if you put it with that sample, puts you in someone that would need to be eaten. We would all be in that camp. If we're taking this from the we're world perspective, we're already in this camp. Not saying any of this is invalid. Just saying it's your last Jedi. That That's true. Yeah. Mine is the Stab franchise and Mikey's is... Commitment. Yeah. People trusting hot people. I would never go home with somebody that hot from a grocery store And if you check the holiday episode of Romancing the Pod I'm pretty sure Mikey wouldn't trust one of the killers in this movie either Because I think you called her hot in that Mm. movie She is hot And she is kind of hotter as a murderer (laughs) Do you mean as a brunette? Oh, I mean brunette They always gotta cast us as evil Just because our hair is brown But you see What's his long-faced, the dude who looks like Macaulay Culkin, he should have known that she wasn't super into him. The warning signs were there. They were all there, Todd. The whole time. Yeah. I mean, he especially should have known because he's studying horror movies. Exactly. If he follows the convoluted path of the Stab franchise, maybe he would have had a fucking clue. What I don't understand about this movie is all of it. Like, the fact that they really think that the serial killer who is killing people in their town is gonna stick to any sort of rules but they do in every movie (laughs) i know which is one of the things that i think is sort of dumb about scream because everyone's gonna do the easiest way to get what they want in that situation like right and get away with it Mm -hmm. so like i mean if they wrote it in a way where like they follow rules quote unquote means like they have a pattern this is their pattern you know like profilers do that makes more sense but this like gamification of serial killers is like Silly to me in a very weird yeah. way. Honestly, yeah. the mindset is less serial killer and more mass shooter. This is probably too serious. No, no I think she you're does right, have, he ha- you're right. She has that vibe. Yeah. We did this on the last Scream too, and I think the Scream remake, they have a weird psychological things in common with mass shooters more than serial killers, mm. which I always think is interesting because they seem almost there. But like not there because it's almost like school shooting is. Yeah. But I don't know. And then like Kevin Williams wrote the first one. I don't know if it was pre-Columbine or not. It was pre-Columbine for sure. I have two things. Number one, this has what bothers me about almost every screen movie with the exception of the first because the first kind of stands alone or whatever. The first is a classic. Every screen movie subsequently seems to have some weird convoluted way that someone is the killer and it's a twist that doesn't fully make sense. Like if you kind of walk it back you're like I mean I guess but it's not Occam's Razor. It doesn't flow well. It's like they always have to explain why they were the killer because we didn't really have enough clues on screen to solve it. And that always kind of annoys me. Or like in the third one, when no one in the cast even knew who yeah, the killer was. Yeah, no one knew was. who the killer was. <laughs> so it wasn't like the killer could like wink and nod to the camera throughout yeah. scenes because they're like, I have no idea who it is. This is a better film than Scream 3. Scream yes. 3 oh, for is, sure, is for sure. very bad. It's, Scream 3 is more fun though. Yes, okay. Yes. Okay, if you're going to say what's a better m- movie... 
I would this say one. this one. It's this one. What's more fun to watch? Scream Definitely three. Scream 3. There's no Parker Posey jumping up in Brock Samson's arms in this movie. Right. So by default, it's not as good as Scream 3. Which brings me to my second question. Given what we saw in Scream 3, do you think that Courtney Cox stipulated in her contract that her hair had to look glorious at all times? Yes, yes. Absolutely (laughs) I do. Because it does. Yes. It's serving. She's in the ICU looking hot. Yeah. She's been stabbed in the shoulder and she looks like she's about to walk on for like a like photo shoot. Yeah, she looks like she's about to ascend untouched by an angel. Just like (laughs) have y'all watched the like the Scream remake from like last year? Absolutely not. I have not because I haven't seen the intervening films and I feel like I would not understand it. Spoiler alert, it's the same plot as this film. What the fuck? Why? It takes place in Woodsboro. Don't they all? Yeah, kind of. Scream 3 was in LA, bro. Oh, That's shit. true. That's true. Scream 3 was guys, in LA. Guys, get, get back over the soundstage. I totally forgot about that. You're right. My bad. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. So it's fine. Come back bad. around. Gather around, kids. Gather around the fire. Okay, okay. Tell me, please. I'm not going to ruin it, ruin it, but like, there's two killers. Okay. They met online in a forum who are obsessed oh. with this ki- the Woodsboro killings and decide to okay. like recreate it and then draw, like, do it. But like, that's kind of the same plot as this. They wanted to be famous for that. Yeah. It's very similar. I think in some ways this movie's a little ahead of its time because like, this is 2011 and you can tell because there's sidekicks everywhere. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Not an iPhone in sight. A million and a half sidekicks. No, there are some iPhones, Paige. Are there? Okay. Yeah. I, I only. That's how you tell the rich kids. Oh, I guess you're right because she's got an iPhone. That's how she's getting text Because they all have the globe as the screen back. Yes. Yes. Well, and I just I just kept clocking <laughs> the kids who would do the like flip flip for yeah, the yeah, sidekicks. Yeah. And I was like, man, those were so cool. I mean, sidekicks were the whip back in the day. I love those they things. They were. Everyone loved them. They had that satisfying sound when they flipped out. Yeah. I loved it. Yes. But you're right, Paige. They're like, let's Twitch stream this. Yes. And which was not quite a thing yet. Yeah, it was. It was just called Justin TV. It was it was proto Twitch. Right. This is what host and dash cam become. Yeah. Of like, this is like webcam digital media found footage. And the fact that they're talking about that in 2011 and that we don't really get it the way that they would have planned it within the scope of this movie until now is wild. That like we're watching this 10 plus years later and we're like, Oh, yeah. Well, of course that's what they would do. But this was 10 years in the past. Another thing that kind of blew my mind was they're talking about all the gritty remakes that they were doing back then. I was like, we're remaking all those films now, (laughs) 10 years later. The whole list. Yeah, we're remaking the remakes now. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, you guys don't even know what you're in for. I was like, no, we're bankrupt of ideas. Like, take some money and make some original films. My, My God. Mikey, do you know how hard it is to write a movie? Let's just find something that hasn't been remade in the past three years and remake it again. Uh, Let me tell you, as Sidney Prescott's unnamed, unshown, didn't exist before now, lost cousin. (laughs) Yeah, right? I thought you were talking about yourself for a second. You mean the killer in this movie? It might as well be me. That shit did not (laughs) exist in the last three films. I do love how they create Sydney Prescott's aunt just for her to die. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, where was she when her mom was dying? And I know. Like, Worst aunt 
ever. She deserved to die. Yes. Yeah. Where where was she the first three films? I hate stuff like that. I hate it. Did you ever think at any point Courtney Cox or Sydney Prescott were going to die? No, because I'd seen no, the new movie. No, of course not. Uh, I hadn't seen the new movie. I didn't really think they were going to die either, but I did think it was cool that they both got stabbed in this movie. I was like, shit, they're actually doing more. Like, there's a few times where Sydney Prescott, like, runs into where the danger is in this movie. I was like, man, that's really dumb, but, like, that's cool that she's doing that. Yeah, I, I mean, I knew that the the new one existed. I guess at the time, people didn't know there there would be a new one yeah. or that it would exist. So maybe you're like, they might kill Sydney. But there's a part of me that's like, we're three movies in, she's living. <laughs> like, there's no way. We're three <laughs> movies in, and she's not doing much else. She's franchised yeah. this. Yeah, like this is her yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're four movies in and seven stabs. Oh yeah, she's living off that stab money. <laughs> that sweet, sweet stab <laughs> residuals. But yeah, I again. We're four Scream movies in, seven stabs. And they do kind of talk their way around it by saying that Gail basically kept writing like fictional stab books to become stab movies. And that's how the timeline shifts because we do have a time jump between this and three. I like that. They're like, well, the fourth stab movie had time travel. And I was like, that's what I want to see. I want to see that. Honestly, Mikey, I want that for you. I want a scream time loop. Oh, wait, that's Happy Death Day. We did get that. I want the cast of Scream in a time loop movie. They should have gone, the screen remake, they should have gone back in time to the first one and had them digitally implanted in the scenes you know like like crazy bullshit yeah that's what i want i mean here's what's crazy to me like and i know the like no the fifth one has time travel it's just kind of a throwaway joke because it's it's making fun of like jason and and michael myers and everything but the idea that gail wrote four because remember stabs already won ahead when we get into three so like she wrote four gritty true crime novels <laughs> And then was like, fuck it, <laughs> time travel. And then went back and wrote two more gritty true crime novels. Hilarious to me. That's so funny to me. Speaking <laughs> as a content creator, sometimes you want to do something different. Yeah. So you create a bunch of content that your fans love, and then you create something that's just like really different, and your fans let you know they don't love that. <laughs> So you go yes. back to what they like. And I understand that. Just ask Chris Gaines how that went for him. <laughs> That's why I have a uh, erotic vampire novel available on Patreon for cult podcast. Yeah. That is not widely released with the rest of my work. <laughs> Although that I think is something that the fans would love to see. I mean, mm. the few people that listen to it for cult podcast liked it. I like the vibe of this episode. <laughs> 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 this is what happens when we start recording at like nine at night. No, I like it. So overall, what did you guys think about Scream Four? It's it's okay, right? Like, yeah, it, like, yeah. I'm not. I love Scream One. I love Scream One. Yeah, who doesn't? You know, there's a lot of horror fans that love the Scream franchise throughout. Sure, I'm not one of them. Okay, yeah, no. Same. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I didn't dislike this movie. I wished that I had been watching it with other people who also love horror movies because I think that would have been the most fun would have been to be like, oh, throwing shade at Jigsaw. Like that kind of shit would have been fun, which you couldn't have done in a theater, but you know. Sort of like the way they watched the Stab franchise at the end of the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If we all got together and watched all four, like. We would probably have a fucking blast if we did that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it would be incredibly enjoyable in that format, but it's not super enjoyable when it's just me. Like I don't dislike it. I'm like, this is kind of fun. I'm laughing to myself about all these. It is a very funny movie like I I will give it that but when I think about something like 
Halloween 3 season of The Witch glee as I watched that movie. Yeah, that is almost a perfect film. It's only not a perfect film because it's not Night of the Creeps. Yeah, it's only not a perfect film because it ends. Um, But like... (laughs) It ends without telling us how the fuck they got that Stonehenge stone to like San Francisco or where they are. Oh, man. Yeah, wouldn't you like to know how they got it? Uh, Yes. That's kind of like, for me, this movie sits in the in-between place where it's not scary enough to be fun as like a scary movie. Is that where the stranger kids go? Yeah, it belongs in the upside down. This is where it belongs. Yeah, It belongs in the upside down. It's not scary enough to be scary. It's not funny enough to be funny funny. It's kind of in the middle where it's only funny with other people who get the jokes. Yeah, I would say Hayden Pantier. How do you say her name? That's it. You nailed it. Let's not correct him. Let's just have him say that the whole episode. That's perfect. You did it right. I know that I in my brain say it wrong because of that Key and Peele sketch where they want to go Hayden Pantanieri on some Terry's. So I think it's just Hayden Pantanier, I think. She looked pretty good. Honestly, I love that shortcut on her. Yes, I was like, why did she not keep that for a long time? It looks great because she's got enough body to like really pull like body in her hair the thing about the scream franchise that it makes me feel icky is that they put a lot of like like these are teenagers right like these are like high schoolers that they have like half naked in the film i was like let's get the adults naked (laughs) yeah 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 the other thing that i and i think it's product of the times i was struck by how much we're focusing on those high school girls and how real thin all of them are like that one girl takes her shirt off at one point And I was just like, good Lord. Like, I forgot how bad it used to be. It's still bad sometimes, but like. Yeah, I was about to say, like, that's pretty much what you'd see now, I bet. I mean, I I don't know if they have anything like this in the newer Scream movie, but. I don't know. But then you look at Sydney and I'm like, she looks like a normal Sydney person. Yeah. (laughs) Like, great. But she's not pulling her top off. (laughs) So I'm just kind of. And I think most people, like Mikey, would love to see that, Sydney. So consider it. Courtney Cox is also (laughs) very, very thin in this movie as well, where she stands up at one point and her shirt's like hanging off her i was like oh my god you're right it's kind of a time capsule of like the beauty standards for actresses then were like you have to be rail thin yeah yeah like sydney is like the most in shape of those women like the and she's very thin i think sydney to, to me looks like a person who is just active and in shape what year did this come out 2011 yeah yeah, yeah. i think hayden pantanieri looks good but the fact that she looks large compared to the other girls next to her, I'm like, she's not a large woman. Like, this is, I have seen her in real life and she is not large. How tiny was everybody else? It was a little mildly personally triggering. But it makes sense why Ghostface, who is two very tiny people, <laughs> could throw murder these everybody. people around. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, if this Ghostface came, I would be like, I'm going to snap you in two. <laughs> I do think it's funny that Ghostface will show up and be fully like 6'3 and then when they're revealed as the killers, like you notice the only time you see one of them take off the mask is Emma Roberts and right. she is noticeably shorter than any other Ghostface you've seen throughout the entire movie. Absolutely. The other thing that I noticed in this movie is that Ghostface's arch nemesis seems to be stairs. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He will slide, he will slip, that motherfucker can't get around steps 
cabinets or hardwood floors. Well, it's because he's trying to run in a robe, and yeah. it's a bad idea. Let me tell you both my new ghost face theory okay. that explains, one, why these short people can be ghost face. Okay. And two, why they have trouble with stairs. Oh, hit me with it. Have you ever been on to a carnival? Yes. I am so terrified that Mikey is going to sing the first verse of the Randy Newman song, Short People. Short no, I think people. this is going to be a stilt theory, and I'm not opposed to it. Yes, they have two foot stilts underneath that ghost face costume. Okay. I feel like we would hear it. Instead of like footsteps, you hear, no, they got they got those tennis balls that are cut. Tennis balls? You would be slipping and sliding all over the place with them tennis balls, bro. They do, Todd. They absolutely slip and slide all over the place. I'm going to reveal a personal fun fact. I have uh, walked on stilts before because we had a circus unit in PE. It's weird. I don't need to get into it. Anyway. I'm sorry. Did you have to pass circus class? I had to pass fucking circus PE. I had to learn to juggle for that shit. Paige, I learned to juggle for fun, and I am very upset that you just said that in a way that makes it sound like juggling isn't cool. I think it's dope as shit. It was very difficult for me, uh, and I was upset that I was being graded on something that I would literally never use again. Your PE class seems infinitely harder than my experience with physical so education. In our circus unit, we had to learn the trapeze. What do they call it? Trapeze. The flying trapezes. Wow. It's not trapeze. It's the trapeze, <laughs> Mikey. Trapeze. Uh, we didn't have that. This was basically like, what weird circus shit can you do on a blacktop behind a school? And the answer is stilts and juggling and a pogo stick. Oh, I thought you were going to say just crystal meth because that's what it sounds like <laughs> what actually happened at a carnival on the blacktop behind it. The PE teacher at the time also exclusively played, like we we had to do like a circus performance thing at one point, but what? she exclusively played ABBA. So now sometimes like when I hear ABBA, I just think about like working those stilts around the blacktop. Just working them stilts. Around the blacktop, Mikey. If you've ever seen people like painters on stilts, it's this. loud. It's like they kind of like clank around because they're metal. I guess if you had wooden ones, it wouldn't be as loud. I will say this though, Paige. I love that ABBA song. The that would have been normal. That would have made sense to play during a circus thing. And instead, we just had like Waterloo. Couldn't escape if I wanted, wanted to. to. And you're just like, I want to escape. I'm so tired of juggling scarves. I'll never escape you, Waterloo. That song's the jam. I played indoor volleyball every day in PE. Yeah, it was indoor volleyball or indoor soccer. And then like our yeah. finals were like, you get an A. My final was like, <laughs> thank you for coming to class this year. Yes. You dressed out 70 out of the 100 days. You get an A. Also, <laughs> this was sixth grade PE. What? <laughs> I'm pretty sure in sixth grade PE, if I didn't pick my nose, I got an A. Like, that was the level of public schooling. Good Lord, Paige. This is what private school does to people. Yeah, I guess. Did you guys have the presidential fitness? Yes. yes. Okay. It also wasn't graded. It was just kept for like... Like stats so like you would be like how far can you reach i had the sit and reach record in eighth grade eat it i was really good at <laughs> sit and reach anyway but yeah circus uh it's how i learned to juggle scarves probably couldn't do it now if you asked me to but yeah the only thing i juggle is the ladies bad decision <laughs> oh or ladies the same stuff we said the same thing honestly yeah. like <laughs> i'm like really mad that i'm finding out that no one else had really difficult pe that they were actually graded on i'm starting to think you were abused as a child is how weird this whole pe thing has gotten yeah. to me <laughs> 
You're like, when I was in PE and they made us walk the hot coals, and I'm like, <laughs> we didn't do that on our team. You guys didn't have a hot coal unit? <laughs> you guys didn't have a field day where you had to like juggle knives and walk on hot coals? No, Paige. They had people juggling fake knives. So, cause like, here's the, okay, God damn it. I can't believe I'm about to get into well, Coach Adair was too busy looking at the playbooks for the football game to give a shit about the indoor volleyball. Exactly, yeah. So within the circus unit. They had a whole unit that they named the circus unit. It was like six weeks of circus. How much clowning was involved? I mean, people did dress up as clowns for the performance. What? Fuck up. What is happening? happening? Yes. It was by choice. The clowning was voluntary. As it always is, clowns. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, you would learn to juggle and they would s- start you with juggling scarves because scarves drop slower. Yeah. So you could kind of learn the motion of catching them. Right. And then if you got good enough at scarves, then they had you go up to like bean bags, like yeah, yeah, juggling yeah. balls. Yeah. And then they had like fake knives for like the last one. Like if you got super good at fucking bean bags. Yo, did you see Timmy lose his finger? Yeah, man. I heard he was going for that A plus and juggling. Yeah, if you get really good, you get to juggle the chainsaw. <laughs> you got a guy in the center that just looks like Leatherface, just like <laughs> a guy dressed as Leatherface juggling chainsaws is definitely what I need in my life. <laughs> I didn't realize that Paige went to like Hellraiser High, but I really do think she did. <laughs> <laughs> and I fully just thought that everyone else had PE like we did. And it's only as an adult that I'm like, they didn't grade you guys on your times for the mile. No, no I'm pretty no. sure your PE class was like planned out by Hitler youth. Like, I don't understand <laughs> why you guys were so into it. That's not true. He was not a fan of the circus or clowning in general. Okay, let's wildly speculate about Hillsborough High School's PE program. Do you guys think it's more of like a Todd and me's like a... A simple one or like definitely like a clown? I mean, I would have to call Hillsboro High School because that's here in town. Do you mean Westboro High School for like Woodsboro? Not Westboro. Man, I said it wrong to him. <laughs> I was trying to like get him and I, I oh, fucked up. It was I a trick time. You fell right into my trap. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You 4D chest that for sure. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, you knew all along it was not the uh-huh. Westboro Baptist High School or whatever. He's over here juggling high school names and you're over there just walking on stilts. <laughs> when you were playing indoor volleyball, I was on stilts juggling. <laughs> Hey guys, we're 40 minutes in and we haven't started talking about Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I mean, we have been on a 20 minute talk about the circus. I'm so sorry. This is my fucking stilts fault. I'm so sorry. We started this episode at 9 p.m. Oh, it's going to be a long night. Just like that one night when they watched all the stab movies. <laughs> That's if they're in chronological order and they don't have a time loop. See, in the fifth stab, he comes back. And get Sydney pregnant so that she has the mother of the future. My favorite stab movie is when it's black and white, except for that one girl in her red coat. <laughs> my my favorite stab movie is where the parts that are happening in the past are in black and white, but then the parts that are happening in the present are in color, but then they're in reverse order. So you have to kind of piece it together yourself. My favorite stab movie is when they form a union to fight the owners of the newspapers. And then Batman sings about wanting to move to Santa Fe a lot. (laughs) I really like the one where they make the Megazord. (laughs) Okay, but seriously, my favorite stab is when you don't.
don't even realize it's a stabbed until Sydney Prescott goes up to her father's office and it zooms out the window and you realize it's September 11th. It's just a giant ghost face. <laughs> ah! <laughs> you realize it's September 11th and it's like, you know, the morning of and during the Twin Towers. <laughs> yeah. Are you saying that Ghostface caused 9-11? Yes. Yes. And the best stab of all is that one where they're like poor and they grow up on a farm together, but then he goes off and he gets killed by pirates and she's going to marry the prince, but then like he comes back because he's stab like- Stab you wish! <laughs> oh, <most of the, laughs> what have I done? Think of all the films that we'd rather watch than Scream 4. <laughs> I think we've listed all of them. Okay, okay. <laughs> we have to get into the movie. Yeah, let's start the first scene. It's got Pete Kristen Bell, where I was like most it crushing does. It's on got her. Pete Kristen Bell. It's got True Blood era- uh, oh. Anna Paquin, yeah. yeah. I wanted them to, I'm not going to say that. You wanted them to make out, I know. I didn't say it. How did you read my mind? (laughs) You didn't need to because this is stab six where I have like telepathic (laughs) powers and that's how I raise the stab Uh, guy uh, uh, from the lake. This is literally how the Hellraisers go later down the line, Todd. (laughs) This is how the Hellraiser went in the first one. Way (laughs) down the line. Like Hellraiser was written by a fucking gibberish auto generator. Like there's nothing that makes sense in that movie <laughs> it's like let's put bdsm and horror into an algorithm and see what kind of film it makes that algorithm his name was clive barker, <laughs> clive barker. <laughs> to give stab eight stab world some credit <laughs> that's the one where they bec- they form a girl group and then they go on tour yeah it's great my favorite's ginger ghost face <laughs> <laughs> I was always face? a posh ghost face. Yeah. I want every Spice Girl with just the ghost face face over them. Like, Colors of the world, stab up your life. Anyway, okay, so let's get into the movie. Yeah. So hottest Veronica Mars and hottest chick from True Blood. Were there more Veronica Marses? No, but this is Veronica Mars at her hottest is what he is saying. Yeah. Well, but that's not who starts. It starts with another duo. Sure. That... It's like a Facebook stalker, but it's Channing Tatum's abs. And I was like, hey, <laughs> hello, I'm here for it. They throw some shade at Saw 4, which like, it's the fourth one. So is it not good? I've always seen the first Saw. I have no idea. I don't know. People get cut up a lot or whatever. They're right. What they say in this film is pretty correct. <laughs> yeah, actually, like when they were reviewed, I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, well, they're kind of right, though. <laughs> like, that's I, yeah, I get it. Um, Anyway, it is Channing Tatum's abs. The phone rings again. It's the killer. They try to get them to open the door and she's like on the off chance it might be Channing Tatum and I was like fingers crossed <laughs> like that would be great for me uh but no it wasn't <laughs> it's uh Ghostface who's somehow already in the house in the house and stabs one of them and then is also outside and stabs the other one meaning I guess two ghost faces because it's impossible isn't there like always two killers like that's very common I, only in after the first one I think because the first one's just the one guy right no the first one's the two oh, no guys. you're right yeah. it is yeah. the two yeah so why does anyone ever assume that it's just one i don't know but i will tell you throughout our telling of the plot where i thought who was the killer and why yes and why i was wildly wrong until like as they revealed it honestly i thought this one person was the killer up until the end and then they got a phone call while the killer was killing people and i was like oh i guess it's not that person but the movie very much telegraphed that it would be yeah I thought it was the sh- the sheriff's deputy that was in hundred percent. Yeah, the whole time that was the in the deputy dumbass or whatever. Yeah, I was like, it's definitely her. The killer goes after his wife. Of course, it's her. Of course, it's her. My favorite character is Trigger, the boyfriend. You mean Trevor? Yes, Trevor. Did you just say Trigger? <laughs> 
like, there's a horse in this movie? Look, Trevor, Trigger, they're like really close. I mean, there is a girl in this movie named Kirby. So like Trigger wouldn't be that far off. Paige, that's actually her nickname because of the implication. Oh, no. <laughs> Paige is now remembering what Kirby did in that game called Kirby. <laughs> it's not sexual. She just really sucks. <laughs> yeah, she's the worst. Todd is implying that they're fat shaming her by calling her Kirby. Oh, no, we're talking no. about we're talking about sucking things in. Oh, <laughs> that's the Kirby noise. <laughs> my my thinking was because Kirby eats everything. Like no, Paige, Kirby sucks everything. <laughs> I, I'm just like if you call the one slightly thicker girl Kirby, like damn. <laughs> Hayden Panettiere is not thick though. Like she is also super skinny in this movie. But just compared to everyone she's standing next to, I mean, she looks healthier. I, okay, maybe I'm just defending uh, Hayden because uh, I've met her in real life and didn't know who she was at the time. <laughs> Of course not. Where is she now? I don't know. Wherever I buried her. No, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) No, I have no idea where she is now. It was back when she was on the show Nashville. Oh, yeah. yeah, Like I was at a karaoke bar here in town and I sang and I sat down and then she was with a bunch of other people and she came over and said, hey. You guys are good because there were a few of us. In fact, Chris was there and Chris sang his version of Prince's Kiss and Dude, Chris can crush that song. So yeah, like she came over too. and she was like, hey, man, you guys are great. And we were like, thanks. Have a good night. And she left. And then my girlfriend at the time was like, that was Hayden Panettiere. And I was like, yeah. okay, who who is that? Here's all I have to say. She should be doing way more Hallmark movies. She is a Hallmark level of actress. Yeah, I think that you're that, right. No, that's exactly what she should be doing. Yeah. She should be in like three per Christmas, yeah. I think. I'm down with that. Or Nicholas Sparks movies. Yeah. As long as she wears a walk around course like she does in this film the whole time she is corseted through most of this film but that's what i was noticing is that like everyone around her is spindle thin and she's got some curve to her and they're still putting her in corsets this whole movie wild hey some people are just into corsets and you can let me have that okay oh yeah no for sure i'm one of those people okay 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 don't get me wrong love a good corset in general girl her character was actually in the burlesque block of her pe class during that time (laughs) she had just failed the can i get my nipple tassels to spin the same direction at the same time section (laughs) honestly it's hard to do. Paige, how do you know? <laughs> hang on, hang on. Tell me this is a real thing and not a joke. It's not It's not a joke. It's not easy to master. Can I just say this really quick about the whole tassels? I think tassels are outdated. It feels very Prussian, very like turn of the century. Let's update it. I want to see googly eyes, ladies. Let's get on <laughs> I've that. I've seen googly eyes. I've seen someone do that. Oh, I have not seen that page, but I would laugh. It would be so fucking funny. So scene two. <laughs> you know it's a bad day when Mikey's keeping us on track, Paige. All right. <laughs> we reveal that this was actually the end of Stab 6, which is somehow the beginning of Stab 7, which stars both Veronica Mars and Sookie from True Blood. Uh, So they're on the couch, and she's criticizing Stab 6. She's like, it's formulaic, and all of her criticism is valid. But uh, Veronica Mars is like, you fucking talk too much, you fucking fairy bitch, and just, like, stabs her. And then we're like, Stab 7. 
Uh, then we cut to another set of girls watching movies and I'm just like, what is happening? And then one of the girls goes through the whole litany of like, how does stab actually fit into this? What's the chronology of stabbed? And I just have in all caps in my notes, thank God someone is asking these questions. <laughs> it's easy. Listen, it's stab. It's two stab, two furious. It's then Tokyo <laughs> stab drift. But Tokyo stab drift takes place. Before. Before. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this is where we hear that the first three are Sidney Prescott, five is time travel, and all the rest are just made up by Gail. But they hear someone upstairs. One of them goes upstairs. There's a window open. She prank calls the other one as if she's ghost face. Yeah. And as the girl is answering it in the kitchen, we see that they have a pot filler faucet on their stove. And I dream about those. Okay. But anyway, it's her friend prank calling. So then she calls back and it sounds like she's going to prank call, but it is actually Ghostface because her friend is now dead downstairs. Yeah. So she goes downstairs to check it out. She thinks Trevor is calling her, but instead Ghostface is calling her and he's like, you're the dumb blonde with big tits. And she's like, I have a 4.0 and my IQ is 135, <laughs> which is a crazy thing to rattle off to a killer, but good for her. Anyway, she starts running. Marnie's body comes flying through the door. Insane. Like thrown through the yes. glass in the door. They're like all really skinny. We, we, we got it. <laughs> so she goes running up the stairs, which again, I'm like, why are you running up the stairs? There's not an exit up there. It's just windows that are higher, that are harder to get through. Because she has 138 IQ, but she couldn't figure out the, the thing on the door, that the chain that you got to pull out and then open the door. She couldn't figure out the chain. But then not only that, there's also, as we've walked through the house, there's an exit to the backyard too. I'm just like, why'd she run upstairs? But she does. She's not a fan of the back door. I get it. Some ladies are like that. <laughs> hey, yeah. you know what? To each their own. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so got to respect the rules. She climbs up into what looks like an attic and then tumbles, like Ghostface follows her. She tumbles down a staircase into the garage. And I was like, what is the layout of this house? Yeah, the unfinished <laughs> half house is weird. I thought it was like a movie set. Well, I mean, it is a movie set. So this was supposed to be a butler's pantry, but whatever. Rolling. <laughs> we didn't have time to finish it. Anyway, she he stabs her. She tries to crawl out of the garage and he just shuts the garage door on her a couple times before dragging her into the garage to murder her, one would assume. I did think it was funny because like, have you guys ever been like hit by a garage door? Like, yeah, it doesn't hurt that bad. It like taps you and it's like, oh, shit. My bad. Let me back up. Well, and she's laying right in the infrared beam where it wouldn't come down if she was laying there. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So it wouldn't have even come down at all. It would have been like, no, I see something. Well, and this is 2011 where they definitely had. Yeah. This is not like 1964 where like garages were like. Eating people left and right. Yeah. You remember the <laughs> 1964 garage door epidemic? Seven kids died that day. I do love, though, <laughs> that when the garage door falls down on her or comes down on her, it comes down slowly and then they like when it hits her, they fully in what sounds like her back breaking. Yes, it's like a crunch. I was like, oh, that thing barely tapped her on screen and you're making that sound Foley artists. Again, she's a very small lady. <laughs> I just imagine that garage door tapping her and then being like, that'll be $100 and I'll need to see you every six weeks. I am a chiropractic garage door. <laughs> anyway, uh, we cut to the next day and Woodsboro 
like town square is de- decorated with a ton of ghost face heads and i'm like well, it was a prank it was a prank but you don't know that immediately that's an expensive ass prank it is all i kept thinking was like this town is insensitive as fuck <laughs> like <laughs> so many people were murdered and we're just gonna put it on the light posts at this point it's probably 30 like 30 people have been murdered in this town. Yeah, probably. Like everyone in this town knows someone or is related to somebody who got knifed, I would imagine. It's like the show Yellowstone, which is a very popular show that takes place in a small Montana town where there's like 2,000 people who live there and there's been 100 murders. <laughs> And I was like, you cannot kill people every episode of the show. It doesn't make any sense. Dude, Twin Peaks, they kill one person in the entire town's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, come on. Yeah, you got Kevin Costner. He's like, the ranch. And then I'm like, there are 100 dead people in your town. That's like Murder, She Wrote, where you have to start to question at a certain point, when does she become a suspect? She's always been a suspect. Anyway, so this is where we find out that Sydney's in town because she's doing a signing of her book, Out of Darkness, which is like the Kirkland brand name for a true crime novel. <laughs> What's the one that um, McNamara wrote? I'll be gone. No, I'll be gone in the night. I'll be gone in the dark. Yeah. It reminded me vaguely of that, but that's a badass name. That's a badass name. Yeah. Uh, No, Out of Darkness is just like somebody put a direction and an article and then something scary, night, darkness, blood, whatever, and then just shook them up and picked them out of hats. Wow. I have to tell you guys. What? I've been writing a memoir. (laughs) A memoir. Memoir. Yeah. And its name is Out of the Darkness. Well, it could have been (laughs) Into the Blood or like Around the Terror. Like any of it's just like... Pick a word. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. And also, Out of the Darkness doesn't say anything specifically about what happened to Sydney necessarily. It's implied that her book is about healing from what happened to her. Yeah. Sure, but it's not very specific as a title. How many people has Sydney killed at this point? Like three, four? No, this we're four movies in. She's killed like six people. If she had shot them down in a plane, she would be a fucking ace. Like, that's how many. Like, she is an ace at murder. Yeah. Isn't it five? If you're a fighter pilot, five is an ace? Yes. Don't quote me on that. I think that's right. I only watch war movies when hot guys are in them. So all war movies? All war movies? Not all war movies. Okay, hang on. What war movie is full of just straight up uggos, Paige? (laughs) (laughs) Most of the ones they make now, oddly enough. What? Yeah, okay, I'm not going to watch Dunkirk. That looks boring as shit. That has Harry Styles in it. People love the Harry Styles. He's cute, I guess, but I'm not like itching to see him shirtless and shit. Well, you don't. In fact, you never see his face because he's wearing like a fighter pilot mask on him. Whatever. It's not a big deal. Uh, I did look it up while we were having this conversation. It's five or more kills makes you an an, Ah. an ace. So I was right. Uh She would be an ace of murder. Ace of murder is uh, my ace of base cover band name. (laughs) I I got a new knife. You would hardly recognize me. I'm so stealth. I'm going to stab you. Because I'm waiting behind the door. Or something like that. Might as well be. I do like that we're writing parody songs to Nazi pop ballads. That's great. Yeah. No, the real Nazi one is uh, All That She Wants Is Another Baby. Yeah. That's, that's the real Nazi one. Wait, Ace of Base are Nazis? Yeah. One of the guys, one of the founding members of Ace of Base left a, a neo-Nazi punk band to found Ace of Base. And it's thought that many of their hit songs have veiled 
allusions to white supremacy. He has admitted that it does. Has he admitted and it he now? he has apologized. Like, his story is pretty wild. I haven't followed yeah. it in many, many years, but he, like, apologized. He was like, I was young, wow. very impressionable, fell in with the wrong crowd, and then I have subsequently learned a lot as I've grown. That's and so, nice. like, he apologized for all of that stuff. But still, like, all that she wants is a fucking terrible song. Like, but it also <laughs> sort of slapped back in the day. If you're not listening to the lyrics, you know. But now I hear it and I'm like, dang, it's wild that this is about the myth of the welfare queen. Yeah. I don't <laughs> like, know if you guys know this. Ronald Reagan wrote all that she wants <laughs> to distract you from actually the people who are draining us as a welfare state are the corporations that we have to subsidize right. their workers on welfare because they don't pay enough, mm -hmm. like Walmart and shit like that. Uh, here you go with that radical leftist rhetoric again. Yeah, I, We're I silencing Mikey. Yeah, you guys. <laughs> I just don't want to have to pay for Walmart's full-time employees to survive. Don't turn around because you're going to see my arm stabbing. Don't, don't turn, turn around. around. I don't want you seeing my knife. Just walk away so I can run up and catch you I'm stabbing you oh as a far right fanatical person mm -hmm. Ace of Base is my favorite band <laughs> <laughs> Mikey you're gonna bring in the wrong crowd with that kind of rhetoric I I know that's not true because I know you don't like music <laughs> <laughs> We have to move on. We literally are over an hour and we haven't even started the goddamn movie. Okay. Anyway, uh, so Deputy Dewey wakes up next to Gail. His wife? His wife. The weird subplot of them having marital problems was weird to me. Oh, is it weird or do you think it mirrored real life? I think it mirrored real life. When did they get divorced? Hang on. Also, why is this married couple in a full-size bed and not a queen-size bed or a king-size bed? Hey, that happened to Jake and I for the first few years of our relationship. That's a test. That, <laughs> that's how you know. You know that you love someone. Okay, so uh, they met on the set of Scream. And they divorced June 2012. <laughs> do you think this movie had something to do with it? No, but I think that they were already having problems when they filmed this movie, so they wrote it into the plot. I think so, too. Okay, so they separated in 2011. <laughs> so, like... Right after filming this. <laughs> like, at the premiere, they weren't together. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and, and according to an interview with him, they hadn't been having sex through the entirety of filming. It, that's a weird detail to release to the public, but okay. Super is. And then he goes to rehab the year this movie comes out. Okay. Uh, but they do pose together for photos at the premiere of this movie. I want you both to know that I haven't had sex while we've been recording this podcast the whole time. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> you mean just this episode or since you started in 2019? Unfortunately, I will not be taking further questions at this time. <laughs> anyway, so we find out that the two of the teenage girls that are friends with Emma Roberts got threatening calls. And the only one we don't see is the girl that got killed, who we will find out was one of their other friends. But they're all revealing that they got calls from Trevor, who is a Fuck, boy. <laughs> He's me in this film. He was giving off some Mikey vibes. You're right. I fully thought he was the killer for a long time. Oh, really? I never thought yeah. he was the killer. I thought he was going to be the red herring. I was like, bro, what did Trevor do that was so bad? He broke up with her after she had sex with him and then dated somebody else and realized that he wanted to go back with her. Like, he was just wishy-washy on the whole thing. I was on her side. Oh, okay. So, like, now that's against the law? Yes, it is. 
To break someone's heart? Yeah. If they really loved me, they could let me go. And if I came back, it's real love. No, that's some bullshit that fuckboys say. But also later <laughs> in the movie, she says that he cheated on her. Oh, so that's I think right. there was some overlap. Oh, right. They didn't say that until they were like murdering her at the end, though. I was like, they did not establish this. I think he's innocent. I mean, boy got shit on the last four days of his life and then shot in the head. Like the man had a, a bad time. Yeah. He shouldn't have cheated on her. So are the designations now short king, fuck boy, and person with problematic opinions about the stab franchise? Yes. I was told today by the Facebook group that I was not allowed to use the idiom short king. I think you're lying about that half inch. I have definitely lied about a half inch before <laughs> yeah right short king fuck boy hog bitch yeah so trevor's a fuck boy we establish this in the car and as they're talking we revealed that emma roberts is sydney's niece cousin it's cousin cousin yeah because her mom was sydney's mom's sister who we've never seen up till this point she was in france <laughs> yeah she uh was away at college question mark yeah but then she's like we've lived in woodsboro this entire time and you're like really have you where were you when my mom died your mom was a bitch <laughs> your mom was a bitch <laughs> so they make their way to school um but on the way kirby hayden panettieri's character is basically giving them the rundown of what happened to sydney and it's basically more for the audience of like oh just in case this is your first scream, Phil. Yeah. Here's what ha happened. Anyway, we cut to them taking the ghost face heads down and trying to shield Dewey from them. Because also, Dewey has survived a bunch of those murders as well. So I imagine for him, it would be pretty triggering to see ghost face heads everywhere also. I'm shocked that he even wanted to be sheriff in this town. Right. I mean, still can pursue a career in law enforcement, but maybe like move to a different town, man. Like something. Yeah. But this is the scene where his deputy is like super into him for I can't imagine what reason. I don't. Although it is the the woman from Planet Terror, the uh, anesthesiologist. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. OK. I didn't put that together, but you're absolutely right. Anyway, they get called to the house where the murders were the night before that we saw. And Gail is like. I guess I'm just home writing. What should I write? Hmm. And she does the author in movies thing of like chapter one. Yeah. What do I do? <laughs> As if there's no other planning that goes into a book, which I find pretty funny. But we cut to school where the girls arrive at school and they encounter a classmate who has like the proto version of like a Google Glass. I don't know if you guys remember Google Glass. Yeah. But he has like a something a device i've not seen before it's a it's like a headset i'm wearing but with a camera strap to it yeah that's all it is yeah and it says that it's like live streaming to the internet which that technology did not exist in 2011 <laughs> but it totally <laughs> exists now like this is that thing you were talking about yeah. it's sort of called what i would call an irl streamer which is someone who like walks right, around right. downtown and like interacts with people and like you can i sort of for the most part hate streamers like this because they just go in places and cause drama but there are some people who yeah. don't do that but if that's mainly what it is it's the equivalent of, I mean, today you would just do it on your phone or yeah. a GoPro. So he's filming everything. And I do kind of like that sometimes he is just in the background of a scene offering commentary on what happened. Yeah. So like Trevor comes up to try and like 
slide in with Emma Roberts. And he's like, I never should have let you go. And she's like, I gave you everything, which is how you know that she slept with him and he left her. Yeah. And then she walks away. And this kid is just in the background of that scene. And he's just like, Trevor Sheldon, deny. And then just keeps walking like a total <laughs> asshole. It's honestly great. I love it. No notes for that character. Largely because it, he is, I think, very much like what that type of streamer is years before that type of streamer existed. Yeah. And oh, that is yeah. cool. His character made me check and be like, wait, did this movie come out in like 2017? Because it felt like it was like from that time. But then everyone has right. the oldest iPhones I've ever seen in my life. So like, and I guess sidekicks. Not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And flip yeah. phones. Who would have thought the type of person that want to stream every moment of their lives on the internet are kind of assholes? Yeah. <laughs> Who would have ever predicted that? I think probably every therapist ever. Yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the book signing, Sydney's giving the same speech that she's given a few other places in this movie where she was on the news earlier, Gail sees her on the news, but it's essentially her talking about how she doesn't want to be the victim anymore. She has yeah. kind of worked through her trauma and wants to take an active role in her own healing, which is great. I do love that as a fixture of this movie. Yeah. So mid-book signing, Dewey and the deputy run in and they're like, we found a phone at a crime scene and we traced it and triangulated where the phone is to right here, which if you're familiar with the Ed trial, you know that you couldn't exactly do that yet. Right. Like not not really until iPhones got GPS could you precisely triangulate phones. It's, it's a whole thing. Anyway, movie magic. They triangulated this phone. They call it. It's ringing outside in Sydney's trunk. They open the trunk. And it's like a bunch of her promotional photos and blood and a phone. At which point, I don't know why they don't try to arrest Sydney. Because, <laughs> like, that's crime scene evidence. They do sort of just, like, give her the benefit of the doubt. Like, if she is ever the killer, and she might be in one of the the more recent ones, I have no idea. I But like she that. would 100% get away with it. Because she is, like, right. that case where... There was that guy who was like a serial murderer, but he also was a serial confessor, so no one took him seriously. And he right, like went right, right. so far as to plant evidence from a murder he could not have done. He planted it in his van yeah. to throw people off to make him make them think he was just like a crazy person or right. whatever, like who was a serial confessor. And he got away with killing like 40 women because of it. Like, yeah, it, it's like that level at this point. Yes. So we cut to the police station and uh, we do have an Adam Brody sighting. We do. Yeah. He gets way more screen time later in the movie, but not enough, in my opinion. No, I am a huge fan of Adam Brody forever on everything. That's why you got that Adam Brody forever tattoo that has his face on it. Yeah. <laughs> my whole back. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so big. You can actually read the badge number off of his badge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's from this movie, we should say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just have a low shoulder tramp stamp, but like, you guys. <laughs> Ask me my favorite show. Hey, Mike, random question. What's your favorite show? The OC with Adam Brody. Okay. <laughs> oh, you mean Adam Brody's The OC? Yeah. Here's what I love in this movie. We have Adam Brody and his partner, Anthony Anderson, and I want that buddy cop movie so badly. Like, just those two characters in their own cop movie. Well, they're terrible cops. Like, we gotta they're talk about terrible that. cops. That's why it would be so fun. Anyway, wait, who, who, what's your favorite Adam Brody? There is an Adam Brody movie called The Kid Detective that recently came out, and I love it. It's a movie with Adam Brody where he, as a child, was a famous kid detective, like Encyclopedia Brown or something, and then becomes really burned out and like mean as an adult. 
but he's still solving kids' crimes. Like who? Like I want you to prove that my friend didn't pitch with the Mets. He's like, he didn't pitch with the Mets. <laughs> he's lying to you. So they go to the police station where Gail catches up with them because she's now seen the news and she eats a lemon square. The lemon squares that Deputy Homewrecker tried to make for Dewey. <laughs> I mean, that is her name in this movie. That's how we will recognize her. Deputy Homewrecker. Yes. Lemon bars is what I call skinny blondes. <laughs> so lemon bars is what you would call this sheriff's deputy. Yeah. I'm proud to be a cinnamon roll. And I'm proud to be a cinnamon, cinnamon roll, roll where at least I know I'm tasty. I have such pleasures to show you, Cinnabites. <laughs> oh, that, that makes as much sense as in the entire Hellraiser franchise page. That like the new one's in terrible. the 80s, <laughs> a Cinnabon that was not yet cooked got struck by lightning. And okay, then, I'm here for it. This hey, is a movie hey, that I'm stop, quite interested in. Stop drilling. In. You struck oil. I need you to stop giving away our good ideas. Okay, yeah. Maybe we should stop talking talking about this but i'm definitely casting a young henry cavill in a scene where he's getting blown for no reason that's the worst blowjob on screen that you've ever seen right it's terrible her head's by his shoulder it's really funny he's that hung <laughs> yeah that's how big it is Paige. that's why they call him horse cock cavill did you not know that Paige? <laughs> i don't think anyone calls him. well they're gonna start that's for sure he got it when he did circus block in his high school PE class. Yeah. They rode him in his PE class. Yeah. He it was the ring toss. <laughs> Dude, he hated horseshoe day. Just black and blue. <laughs> he bent all the horseshoes. <laughs> they were metal spikes when he got to class, Paige. <laughs> Paige is losing her shit right now. Yeah. I'm sorry. Paige's secret so comedy <laughs> is up in, is like really talking up Henry Cavill's penis. Yeah, really if you want to make laugh. Paige laugh, get really blue about Henry Cavill's dick. It's mm -hmm. just, it's so late and I hopped up on energy drinks and I'm so tired. Same. I took Dayquil and Nyquil. <laughs> His body's so confused. <laughs> you can't do that. It'll upset the time-space continuum. That's how the Time Loop movie starts. That's how Hello. the Time Loop movie starts. Everyone takes Dayquil and Nyquil at the same time. That would be my luck. I, like, relive my sinus infection every day. <laughs> Worst time loop ever. Anyway, so Gail has, like, an argument with the deputy, but then also with Dewey. It's very clear that Dewey's like, this is police business, and she's just like, you're going to cheat on me with that hussy aren't you like that's basically what's happening in this i mean that's like the subtext yeah let me help you investigate this murder and he's like i'm not allowed to i'm the sheriff and it's against the law and she's like well we've done it every time up till now so why are you gonna change the rules now and he's like well because i'm in charge or whatever and i'm totally boning this lemon square to my left <laughs> <laughs> i've got an election this year like yeah. i have to bribe the mob i have to go meet with the other people i have to like hide every weird thing you've ever done and those pictures we took that leaked so like come on now so uh her defense is i wrote the book on this and i'm like fiction one yeah. of them had time travel <laughs> like anyway he won't let her help meanwhile uh we cut to them interviewing the girls that all got threatening phone calls inexplicably they have allowed Sydney to be a part of this interrogation. 
an active suspect. Person of interest. I don't think she's ever a person of interest. He says in this scene, please you don't go anywhere. Town. You can't leave town. Nobody thinks you did this, but everyone is a suspect. And she should have been like, am I being detained? What are my rights? <laughs> Give me one of those lemon squares. She did not have to stay in town. She could have definitely left town. Yeah. Allison Bree was trying to get her to leave town. I mean, I would have left immediately. Oh, Allison Bree's character is wild. Yeah, I would leave anywhere with Allison Bree. Mikey, of course you would. Honestly, like, I would be so happy if you brought home Allison Brie. I'd be like, that's amazing. Well done. I'd go anywhere with her because I would think her name was cheese-based, and then I'd be disappointed when it wasn't. She likes cheesy jokes, maybe. Ooh, I bet she does. She seems like the type that would like them. You know, a human. Who doesn't like <laughs> cheesy jokes? Lactose intolerant people. <laughs> Black jokes intolerant people. <laughs> What's really interesting about her in this movie, her character is established as Sydney's publicist. Yeah. If you're just joining us, this is part four of our Scheme Force coverage. <laughs> we are an hour and 30 minutes in to the episode, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The movie, uh, a movie filmed in Hollywood where where publicists work doesn't seem to understand what a publicist does because <laughs> they have her functioning as a publicist, but also a live appearance agent but also a manager that is like handling her contracting. I got the impression that she was like a like mushed together one character that's supposed to be actually like nine different characters, you know? I think so. So yeah, it was a little strange, but I think I think she's basically air quotes manager who's kind of doing all of it. Yeah. Anyway, so we find out in this interrogation that the girls got phone calls, but Kirby has not gotten a phone call, which is a little strange. They never really explain why she doesn't. Because one of the actual killers has a crush on her. Yeah, maybe, but he still kills her. Yeah, for like the most incelly reason. Like, I, I thought that yeah. that kill was dumb, but what? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, because that he should have just been like, come with me. Let's run away. We can go and bone in the woods. Yeah. You know, like something like that. So we do get a cutaway scene to Allison Bree's character who's like, I thought this was going to be a bust, but two girls got butchered. Payday! I know, she is like, like high-fiving herself. <laughs> she literally does sing, payday! Like, oh my God, it's so gross. But like also exactly how a publicist would respond. 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it made me think of when my agent signed multiple overweight people at once and then suddenly bought giant... Like, you know, those giant barrels of cheese balls. She suddenly had those in her office. <laughs> and I was like, what? And she was like, do you guys want cheese balls? And we're like, no, we're fine. And she was like, well, more for me then, I guess. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, I don't know if this is related. <laughs> I'm not sure I would have the power to say no to a cheese ball, but. I didn't know how long they'd been there. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. You could taste that pretty quickly. Yeah. You, you'd get like one cheese ball in and be like, ah, styrofoam. Yeah. Anyway. So she runs into Gail on the sidewalk and is just like, so you're washed up. Tell me about it. And Gail is like, fuck <laughs> off. Oh, I'm going to solve this murder. So they have an antagonistic relationship. Yeah. They do. We cut to Sydney's aunt's house uh, where they're all kind of like quarantining for the night. And she sits and has a conversation with Dewey that has like vibes. And I don't like it. Uh, what do you mean? So she. OK, so she and Dewey are like sitting on the couch and they're kind of talking and he's like, it's going to be OK. Like people will be watching the house, but like, I just want to make sure you're OK. And she's like, we've been through a lot together. And I was like, no, what? What are we doing? Uh-uh. Like, 
there it, this isn't going to be a Dewey Sydney thing, is it? No. And then they immediately abandon it. What is their relationship? Deputy and victim? I thought that they were just like friendly and that he was like yeah. trying to convey that like, hey, I'm in your corner here. Correct me if I am wrong. The first movie, they are high school students. Dewey is an officer. Yeah, Dewey is a is a deputy. He's only like two years older than they were. Okay. Because I, I like in my brain, I was like, how much older is he than them? Which like as an adult, their friendship makes sense. They've been through a lot together. Sure. But like, yeah, his sister was one of her best friends in the first movie. That's what it was. That's the connection. You're right. Okay. Anyway, he leaves. There's going to be cops outside. They start to basically lock up all the doors and windows. And lo and behold, the niece goes upstairs to her room and Trevor is there. And he's just like, isn't it safer with me around? And she's just like, no, get out. <laughs> I do love that. Like the whole movie, she's just like, fuck you, Trevor. You fuck boy. Get out of my face. <laughs> Have you ever known a cool Trevor? I don't know that I've ever known a Trevor, to be fair. But no, I have not ever known a cool Trevor. I know one from work. He's super cool. Yeah. And the one I knew was from work, too. But personal Trevors never work out. <laughs> Your own uh, personal uh, Trevor, uh, Trevor the local fuckboy, cheating on girls. Uh, My brain went to the same place. Uh, Anyway, in my notes, I just have, I don't trust you. Your name is Trevor. Um, (laughs) Anyway, Sydney walks in on them and is like, he's my ex. And Sydney, I think, immediately suspects Trevor. Yes. So Trevor leaves and she tells her niece to lock up the windows basically like shut the house down yeah as she leaves in the shadows we see deputy judy and she's like you don't remember me we went to high school together which again there's a part of me that's like we spent a whole movie with their high school friends does anyone remember her no she has to like fill in this whole backstory of like no we definitely we had we did a play together and then we were in class together but like you had a lot of stuff going on back then because of like the murders and everything like it's just weird she had a glow up she was like you know yeah Anyway, we cut outside (laughs) to the cop car where the best buddy cop movie that we'll never get to see is taking place. Um, And they watch as Olivia, the third friend in in the little niece's friend group, walks to her house next door. And they call Olivia and are like, do you want to come over? Like, come watch Shaun of the Dead or whatever. And she does not. She instead goes to her house because she doesn't want to be near Sydney because everyone dies around Sydney. Right. But this scene is one of those things where... When they reveal who the killer is, this scene doesn't make a lot of sense necessarily. No, it doesn't. Because the murderer, the girl that Emma Roberts, who will become, we will find out as the murderer, is on the phone with Olivia, right? Uh, And then Mm -hmm. Kirby, Hayden Pantanieri, is talking to Ghostface and revealing that Ghostface is across the way. And Emma Roberts is like scared, freaked out. What is the point of doing this when Hayden Panettiere is there except to maybe throw people off? But it's like a whole crazy thing that like leads to them going to the other house and then she gets cut and Sydney gets cut. It's a whole like compilation of scenes that really imply that somebody else is the killer. And we know that she has an accomplice, but like 
it doesn't really super fit with the narrative of her doing it. But I think that's kind of the problem with all of the Scream movies is they try to keep you so in the dark that the endings don't yeah. always make sense. Pencil. Yeah. Yeah. This mousetrap level of complicated. Like, it was like, it was all part of the plan. I'm like, there's no way you can plan for that. Right? Anyway, so she gets killed. They scream. Sydney runs up. They try to go to the cops outside. They're gone. And we'll find out that they were trying to chase Ghostface through the backyard. Yeah. So Sydney goes into the house with Emma Roberts and they chase Ghostface through the house. He fails at stairs because... Because it's Ghostface. That's what Ghostface yeah. does. Yeah, that's what Ghostface does. And... They fight with Ghostface and get injured. So, like, she gets sliced in the arm. Sydney falls. Honorable mention for when he kills Olivia and she puts her hand out and he stabs directly oh, through yeah. her hand. hand page. Through Ooh. her hand. It reminded me of the shot in Hot Fuzz in the very beginning where he gets stabbed through the hand dressed as Santa. Yeah. So... That room where he has killed Olivia is like four people worth of blood. It reminded me of Friday the 13th part six where that one girl dies and it's like they splashed like just gallons and gallons of blood all over the room. This room is just Oh, this room is covered in blood. I'm not sure if I've seen Friday the 13th part six. Have we done that? You have. It's the one with hot Tommy Jarvis where they imprison him in the bottom of the lake. Nice. I have seen that. It one. was the last one we did, I think. Actually. It's just been so long. But yeah. yeah, no, I remember that now. Yeah. But it is like that level of blood. Like it's all over the walls everywhere forever. Yes. That's how it yeah. works. It's like more than one murder worth of blood, though. <laughs> it's yeah, it's multiple murders worth of blood. Yeah. So the police arrive after trying to chase Ghostface down. And no sooner has Ghostface run away that the deputy kind of shows up out of nowhere, which fully made me think it was her the whole time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought it was the deputy up until like almost the end. Absolutely. And Trevor rolls up as well. So we cut to the next day or I guess later that night because they've taken people to the hospital or whatever. And all of the, the media is outside as Dewey's about to do like kind of his um like press conference about it basically right uh but she stops to talk to the school film crew so like the cinema club essentially and agrees to get sydney to come talk to them about stabbed if they'll basically share the information they have with her okay so from the jump i was like the most obvious suspects of the cinema club yeah i mean yeah they're the people that care the most for sure right and at the end i was like okay it's nice being right <laughs> so sydney gets x-rays and they're like you're fine take a couple weeks off yeah and as she's kind of getting that information her publicist is like hey random house wants to lock you in for three more books name your price which like, bitch, take that deal. Yeah, <laughs> like, take that take money. Take that deal. But instead she's like, um, did you even read my book? Like, no, I'm not, I'm not writing about this. I'm not talking about this. And her publicist is like, yo, but like, this is definitely going to increase sales. So like, take that fucking money. And she's like, you're fired. I mean, you, I mean, I'll say this and it's not great, but like you do sort of want a publicist with this sort of moral compass. A little bit, a little bit. It's tough because like dealing with people who have that, who are that laser focused on the business yeah. can A, make your business very successful, but B, it can be very, very hard to be around them because they don't always understand your emotions or when you disagree with them on like a fundamental morality thing where you're just like, I don't see myself as the person who does X and their answer will always be, but X will make money. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. And so it's sometimes, sometimes you have to fire those people. Yeah, sure. Sometimes you have to kind of fight with those people a little bit. But in this case, take the fucking money. Yeah. Take the money. Write whatever books you want. 
they they gave you carte blanche. Yeah, they just said the next three books, not what those books had to be. You could yep. write a book about time travel that all your fans hate and then go back to writing true crime. Yep. Yeah. You could write vampire erotica. Go nuts, ho. Just <laughs> do it. I actually hear a uh, stand-up podcaster out of uh, L.A. has that market corner. Has the vampire yeah. erotica market corner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so she leaves. She walks through a garage and her phone rings. And all I kept thinking was... In a parking garage? In 2011? Like, phone service? In a parking garage? Let me one-up you on that one. She gets trapped in said car by the ghost face killer. And I was like, you have a cell phone. Yeah, that has service miraculously in this parking garage. But she doesn't even try to use the phone she was just on and is right next to her. Yeah. Here's the other thing, too. She's locked in the car, which means Ghostface can't do anything. To get to this point, she's in a dark, you know, garage. It's freaky. She gets to her car. It won't start. Ghostface is there. Okay. Ghostface can't get into the car while it's locked. So she is safe as long as she's in that car. As long as she stays in there, yeah. And knowing who they are, they don't. The, neither of those killers have the upper body strength to break that window. Right? But also, <laughs> she's in the car with a phone. Call anyone. But instead, what does she do? She gets out of the fucking car. I was like screaming at the screen. And leaves her heels on to then try and run Ugh. away. I was like. Take your heels off at least if you're going to try and sprint away from this dude. Well, and why would you when you could just stay in the locked car and wait for help to come? They're three floors down having a press conference. Right. Like someone just needs to take the elevator. (laughs) It's amazing that like the whole sheriff's office is downstairs. Yeah. When a murder takes place, the killer doesn't try and hide the murder. He throws the body down at the press conference and they're like, oh, we just missed him. No, you didn't. He's got to run by you on the way out. It brings me to my least favorite horror trope of all time. Empty hospitals. Oh, man. Dude, at the end of this movie, when he's running down the hallway and like every other light is turned off, I'm like, man, this is clearly shot like in a warehouse hallway. Like, I've never seen a hospital that that looked like this. Yeah. Halloween 2, most egregious. Oh, yeah. That is definitely the most egregious. But it's, it's 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 a trope. And I'm like, I don't know if you've ever been in a hospital. Hundreds of people work there at all times. Yeah. Yes. When her body fell onto that news fan, I did scream, let the bodies hit the floor because I just find that fun. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, sometimes in horror movies, when bodies start flying, you got to start singing, let the bodies hit the floor. It's fun. I recommend everyone do it. I'm a little different. (laughs) Like if it's a male body, I just say, it's raining, man. Hallelujah. It's raining, man. Amen. Which honestly would still work. You would just change the line to It's Raining Brie. Oh. Hallelujah. It's Allison Brie on that van. (laughs) Those are the lyrics. Hallelujah. It's Allison Brie in front of me. But she's dead. Yeah, she is dead. I do love that she falls, I don't know, six stories and lands flat on a van. But Dewey climbs up there to check her pulse. Like, that's super important. (laughs) It was a real Brita move. He's like, ma'am, ma'am. Ma'am, yeah, she <laughs> fell. You gotta check their poles. She fell six floors, Mikey. I think we can assumptive close that onto a noose van. Yeah, uh, guys, if she had a poles, they'd have to call an ambulance. If not, it's a crime scene. Hey, breaking news: she doesn't have a pulse. Yeah, this just in from the top of the van. She's dead, Mikey. <laughs> I'm telling you, people have a pulse in a lot of situations where you don't think they would. And if she did, if her family found out they had a pulse, they would have sued the, the whole Woodsboro Police Department. 
They were like, you should make your top of your vans more cushiony. <laughs> well, that was a news van, so... Yeah, I'm just saying you check the you check the body. You gotta check the body. What you didn't see as he was doing that, the guy was like, "And this just in from News Channel 2. Oh my 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 van is fucked. What happened? <laughs> Holy shit! I'm never gonna get that deductible. Check the body for a pulse. Check the body for a pulse. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, we're halfway through this movie, and we've only been recording two hours. I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we cut to Cinema Club. And Cinema Club, they explain, is one rug below Glee Club and two rungs below We Fit. Disagree. <laughs> we Fit's way more fun. I don't know. Glee Club's not that bad. Oh, it's bad. Glee Club slaps. Have you seen those mashups they do? <laughs> also, remember, this is like Glee was on TV at the time. Anyway, so We Fit, more popular than Cinema Club. And this is where they go over the rules. So this takes the place of Jamie Kennedy's character. Yeah. And they basically are like, it's a horror remake. So everything is reversed. But... There's all these other rules where, like, it has to be a party. It has to, you know, there's a movie marathon tonight. So, and which is called Stabathon, which, again, for a bunch of murders that happen in this town, insensitive, I would say. Very insensitive. But I'm sort of here for it, honestly. And I do feel like if I was, like, a teenager, th- I would do this. Very edgy, yes. Mm. Very, It's very, like, edgelordy. So... Everyone's going to go to Stabathon. They won't tell Gail where it is. But of course, Gail's going to find out because she's sneaky. Cut to the house where the niece is kind of under house arrest, uh, or at least that's implied. Not house arrest, but like she's not supposed to leave because they don't want her to go to the party because they think she'll get hurt. So she's eating string cheese and chocolate milk together. Ooh. Is that gross? I, I don't know if that's gross or not. It's gross. I feel like those are two flavors that don't go great together. Yeah. It's too much dairy. Yeah. I like chocolate milk and I like string cheese, but I never had them together. I could see that combination being a little gross. It grossed me out. And for someone who literally woofed down string cheese on, I think, the Princess Diaries episode. I did. No, <laughs> it was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 episode. You're right. Because it was when I returned to tell you all that I was fully flapped. You're absolutely right. I apologize. Yeah. Yeah. I eat string cheese the way that I will eat people in the future because I support the efforts to curb global warming. <laughs> yeah, I thought you wanted to eat the 10%. 10%. That's a lot of people. Man, Mikey, y- you like... <sighs> Listen, I think 20% of the time, but you have the confidence of a man who listens 98% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with it? We got to eat a billion people. That's not even 10%. That's like 30. No. It's 15. It's 15%. 15%. We established it on the episode. No, if we eat the 10%, that's 10%. What are we talking about? Well, 10% of 7 billion is only 7 with a smaller zero. Oh, man, Mikey. I am so glad... You don't have to do math in your day to day. I don't. There's an epidemiologist who does all the stats for our program. And they always ask me questions. And I'm like, math, right? It's crazy. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I went to school to study diseases. And now I'm your accountant for some reason. Oh, good Lord. This episode has never once been on the rails. Nope. Where we're going, we don't need rails. Anyway, she goes up to her room and Sydney's kind of walking around the bottom floor of the house. There's like a shadow, but then no one's there. And then we cut 
to Kirby, who is at the Stabathon and is basically reporting back to Emma Roberts' character. Yeah, she's on the phone with Emma Roberts' character. Right. And Gail's there setting up cameras and shit. Yep, which are not plugged into anything. <laughs> no, but they're wireless cameras. You can see the antenna on the back of them. They're like old school wireless cameras. There's an antenna, but they also, some of them have wires that are not connected to it. <laughs> and if there's anything I love about a protagonist, it's when they non-consensually record minors. Ooh. This whole series of movies is pretty much if Crank Yankers made a slasher. So, like, <laughs> I don't expect much out of it. So, I was sort of fine with this. Because it is, like, half yeah. prank calls, I can, half I can murders. Hear, like, I can hear people getting angry at us already. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I'll say this. I dig the Scream franchise. But it is, like, a 50% mix of slasher and Crank Yanker. So... Gail goes to watch from her closed circuit TV in her car and literally watches as one by one, someone just like tips her cameras over. Yes. I mean, it's the killer, right? This yeah, is, this yeah. has to be the other Culkin. So here's the thing, though. He's on stage opening the thing, like presenting the movie. That's so, true. So there's a third killer. Or Emma Roberts is already there somehow. No, we see her on the phone. She's on yeah, the phone, she's, right? She's talking to Cindy because Cindy's like, I've been there. I know how you feel. You mean Kirby? Whatever. Well, Sydney in the house, but then she's talking to Kirby on the phone. Yeah, because the two of them are like presenting. They're like, stab. And then she's putting up cameras while that's kind of going on and then leaves. And within seconds, her cameras are all down, which means that they had to find all the cameras that she put up. And then one by one, put them down without somebody noticing that they weren't there when they're hosting the party. And set up cameras of their own because they have their own cameras. I think they set up their cameras ahead of time. Okay. They may have done it beforehand. That's fair. Yeah. Anyway, she calls Dewey. Dewey's on the way. But she goes to reset her cameras and sees a new camera. And Dewey watches from her closed circuit as she has reset at least one of the cameras. That ghost face is right behind her. She is stabbed. She falls. Dewey gets there and puts pressure on it. But she basically says he's filming it. He's making the movie this time. I do love that Dewey is at Gail's car. Gail's inside the loud ass barn where this like movie marathon's taking place. And when he sees Ghostface behind her, he goes, Gail! From the car. And she hears him and moves out of the way. There's no way she could have heard him. They have yeah. a psychic link. They're married. Okay. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the psychic link everyone gets when they're married. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty nice, actually. Oh, well, maybe that's why my marriage didn't work because I didn't get one. <laughs> so, like, okay. Now I'm starting to see why. Okay. That makes sense, actually. Yeah. Uh huh. Anyway, uh, so we cut to Anthony Anderson and Adam Brony outside the house, and they go through all the scenarios in which the cops outside die. If it's the last day before retirement, if there's a rookie with a pregnant wife, there's a better looking partner, perimeter check. Might be right back, might could come back dead. And Adam Brody eventually is like, be careful. I'm always careful and walks away. And Anthony Anderson is just like dead man walking, yeah. <laughs> which is really funny to me <laughs> that he just lets him go. It's not as funny as when a second from now when they both get murdered and it's Anthony Anderson in the car, right? Yes. And he gets stabbed in the brain. Yes. And that would kill you immediately. But no, like, because it goes like into the hilt. Like, it is yes. six inches into his brain. And he is like, oh, that hurt my head. I'm going to get up and walk around and try and fight this person as he falls yeah. to the ground dead. You could live. There is a dude who had the railroad no. tie in his brain. It just depends on where in the brain they stab you. 
the frontal lobe is your impulse control and a bunch of other stuff. I think he would have died almost instantly, in part because head wounds bleed a lot. And his does bleed a lot. And that is a very long knife. He definitely probably wouldn't be able to speak, and he would have not had, like, good motor control, probably. But, so, Sydney hears something outside, and it's wind chimes that seem to be made of knives, which seems tasteless (laughs) to have... In a house with a bunch of relatives who got murdered? How dare you make fun of my Cracker Barrel find? I love that wind chime. Here's the thing about why you didn't see Sydney's aunt. She's a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's what it was. Like, they had a falling out before Sydney was even born because she's mean. And, like, they just didn't talk. Yeah, that's what it is. So... Uh, Sydney takes the wind chimes down. Uh, meanwhile, Adam Brody's doing the perimeter check and he sees an open window. So he radios back and he's like, hey, was there a window open when you did your perimeter check? And he goes back to the car and Anthony Anderson is like on the steering wheel. Looks like he's already dead. And he's like, no. And as he's like reeling from realizing that he's not dead, that yeah. it was a horrible prank. He gets stabbed in the back by Ghostface, And then Anthony Anderson gets stabbed in the head. Yeah. And he just kind of like stumbles out of the car and just says, fuck Bruce Willis, and then collapses. <laughs> Man, imagine that being your last words. Like, I know. Wow. I just wanted to see like Bruce Willis's reaction take to that. Like, I wanted them to then cut to Bruce Willis in the theater watching it and being like, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> <laughs> ha ha ha. I have a forehead wound. <laughs> like. Anyway, we cut inside where her aunt has returned with groceries and we get a long shot of their kitchen. At the time this came out, I was working for Sir Latab already. Yeah. And I recognized almost everything in that kitchen. I was like, oh, we we definitely furnished their set deck for this. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so her aunt's unloading the groceries, seemingly like, oh, there's a killer about whatever. I bought Cheerios. Just like (laughs) also you can tell that this was shot in California because one of the things she pulls out of the grocery bags is a local sourdough loaf. Oh, yeah. That you can like only get here. Yeah, they don't make sourdough anywhere outside of California, guys. They they do, but like it's from a specific bakery. Like, it has a very specific package. Yeah, the sourdoughs you buy here don't have packaging. It's just like Lucy's, <laughs> like Lucy dough. It's just like a graphic design pink package, Todd. Like, you could spot it from a mile I away. Have no idea what the fuck we're talking me about. Me either. That's why I'm making a joke. Like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm just, I, it's always interesting to me when either A, people don't cover labels and stuff for foods. Like, yeah. so it could be either like promotional, like they have a thing. Or when people do things that specifically denote where they're filming, but not necessarily where the movie is. Like whenever people walk into a movie in New York with a pink donut box, like that kind of stuff, I think is really interesting. Most pink donut boxes are made in California, just outside of Los Angeles. So like, it's not impossible to have a pink donut box in New York, but it's unlikely. This is not important. Anyway, so... They're unpacking the groceries. The aunt goes out and she's out for a long time to the point where I thought she was killed outside already. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, me too. But no, she comes back in and they are literally like she gets borderline chased in by Ghostface and she sees Ghostface in the reflection of that wind chime, shuts the door and then Ghostface stabs her aunt through the mail slot, which is. The one kill I loved in this I movie. thought it was mm-hmm. so funny, because at first I thought he stabbed her through the door. Through the and door. Been like, yeah. I don't think that knife could have gone through the door. And they're like, and no. And then I was like, oh, figured mail it out. slot. It went through the mail, mail slot. slot. Which means that he had to like open the outside of it and then like just <laughs> yeah. wait until he saw someone's back. And then he just stabbed yeah. it. Yep. So crazy. 
Anyway, uh, she also finds out that Gail's been stabbed and over the phone, Ghostface is like, I'm going to kill everybody around you. And she like runs to go find Jill because he's like, I'm going to kill your family. They find out Jill is with Kirby. So Jill's mom is now stabbed. She basically just runs, flees the scene. Like Deputy Judy shows up and she's just like, cool, you got this handled by like a totally guilty person yeah with no other witnesses to the murder it's 100 percent exactly what a guilty person would do if only one police officer showed up <laughs> be like yeah oh my god my aunt died and then they're confused and like the police officer's looking at that and they use that distraction to get the fuck out of there that's what sydney does yeah you think these three officers would call in the state police at some point or the fbi something but this lent credence to me thinking it was the deputy because the deputy was there so fast but wasn't supposed to necessarily be there, like wasn't stationed there. And then she's like, I don't know, the other the other officers were just gone. But then later when she talks to somebody on the phone, she's like, I found them murdered. So like she doesn't tell Sydney they were killed, but she knows they were. Yeah. Which was kind of weird. Yeah. Anyway, so cut to the hospital where Dewey and Gail are checking Gail in and Gail is just like, catch that motherfucker. And he's like, I will. So we cut to <laughs> Kirby's house where the two cinema club kids and Jill have kind of fled to this house as like an after party to talk about what happened and who they think the killer is, despite the fact that two of them are the killers. Right. Trevor shows up claiming that he was invited, but everyone denies it. Uh, but this is where they're basically discussing like, well, if this is a reboot, that means the party's the false ending and there's still an ending to come. Which at this point, I was just like, how can there still be like 30 minutes of this movie left? Like, this is so much. But Paige, there were 30 minutes left of the movie. Like, Right. So they kind of split up a little bit where Jill goes out to get her phone out of the car. Trevor kind of goes out to find her, but then doesn't see her come back in. Meanwhile, Robbie is drunk and goes outside. Yeah. And then Charlie and Kirby are kind of having like a moment. Yeah, they've been sort of flirtatious the whole movie. And Hayden Panettiere says, you know, you should make your move right now. And he's like, why don't you make your move? And she's like, I just did. That's what this is. Right. I'm like inviting you over to make out with me or whatever. And he doesn't because he's, I mean, a loser. We find out later why, but. Right, right, yeah. right. So. He we cut to Charlie who's outside on the balcony fiddling with the camera because he's drunk and he's got the camera pointed backwards. Well, because he was drunk and walked into a potted plant that was hanging or whatever. Right. And it knocked right. his headset off and he put it back on backwards. Yeah. Right. Classic. Classic. And he's going to try and get a shot of Charlie and Kirby hooking up. Meanwhile, Trevor interrupts them from hooking up and is like, yo, Jill's not outside and not upstairs. What the fuck is going on? Oh, were you guys about to hook up? I'm going to go upstairs and laugh about it. While that's happening, Ghostface kills Robbie outside because he like is looking at his like camera in his phone. Yeah. Or or I think it's a receiver. It's like not even, maybe it's an iPhone, but like that technology didn't really exist at the time yet. I don't know. Anyway, so he like flips the camera around and ghost faces in front of him and yeah. just like immediately stabs him. I thought that was a nice play on the backwards camera with Courtney Cox. Yes. Because I was like, oh, are we going to see another backwards camera thing? But no, he flips it back around, opens the door and then it's there because, right. you know, we, we know who it is because we have seen the movie, but that's got to be Emma Roberts, right? Yeah, I, it has to be Emma Roberts that kills him. I mean, it's not because that person's six four that's in the actual costume, and Emma right. Roberts yeah. is probably like five five. But yeah, but if we're tracking like who's who and who's where, it yes. has to be Emma Roberts. So she stabs him, and he does have the one like 
Because they said in Cinema Club, they're like, basically, if you want to survive a horror movie these days, you've got to be gay. And so as he stabbed, he's like, I'm gay if that helps, which is terrible. I mean, (laughs) I did think it was sort of funny based upon what he was saying, because maybe not funny, but like I thought to myself, wait, is he really gay or is he assuming that this person will stop murdering him? Yes. Because he's gay. And it's the latter because he just adds, if that helps. Yeah. And then he gets stabbed again. So it doesn't matter either way. But yeah. Right. So we cut to Jill comes down from upstairs and she's like, I didn't text Trevor. And also he's not upstairs. Where are Charlie and Robbie? And Sydney, meanwhile, is outside the house and is just like, you've got to come with me right now. And as they turn to go outside the door, Robbie is there bleeding out. Yeah. So Ghostface chases them around the house. Uh, They basically get upstairs where they can like maybe jump out of the balcony So she has Jill hide under the bed. She climbs out on the roof. And as Ghostface follows her, she's like, Jill's getting away that way. And then like runs around the roof. I did like that. That was a pretty smart plan, honestly. Although even, I mean, we know that Emma Roberts is the killer, so it doesn't matter. But like she's saying like, oh, run, go get help, go get help. Like she had jumped down and is running away. That was smart, but it didn't help. Yeah. So she kind of makes her way around the house and gets back in where she finds Kirby. And Kirby has called 911 and is in a locked room downstairs that leads out to underneath the balcony. And Charlie shows up at the door with a bloody hand. And he's like, no, no, no. I got attacked. It's not me. And she doesn't quite trust him, which is correct. And Sydney is like, if you can't trust him, don't open the door. Get away from the door. Yeah. And they watch as Ghostface basically attacks him again and ties him up outside and calls Kirby to basically threaten, like, I'm going to kill him. And then quizzes Kirby. Yeah, because it's Mistress Ghostface now. Which is so strange to me that she, that she still does this and like plays through all the whatever. And anyway, she answers all the questions. Like then the line goes dead. So she goes out to try and help Charlie. But you can kind of see that something is not right. It was crazy to me that she thought in her mind that, oh, this serial killer asked me some questions that I got right. So they're going to leave me alone. No. They're a serial killer. They're already breaking rules. You think they're going to... No, they're going to kill you. I thought it was so insane. Like, she deserves to die is all I'm saying. She unties him. She unties him and he then stabs her for incel reasons of like, oh, you just noticed me now? Too late. Like, dead. Which is dumb because they probably would have gotten along. Yeah, but he has to say it because his girlfriend's like right there. Yeah. I don't really get the impression that Emma Roberts was his girlfriend. I get the impression that she was dangling that She carrot. was using him. Yeah. She was definitely using exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I ain't killing somebody unless I get the whole shebang. P word is what you're saying. The whole P <laughs> word. Yeah. Pineapple. Pizza. You don't like to share your pizza. Which is what we order after we have sex because I'm not killing someone unless I, at least I'm having sex with them. Yeah, we're ha- right. we're having sex and then carb loading. Sex yeah. at a minimum, pizza at a maximum. I'll save a slice for Todd. That's all That's I all need, baby. Needs. I know, it's so mad. Anyway, Robbie appears to be the killer at this point, but there's another ghost face. Of course there is. And so you're just like, huh? And they pull the mask back and it's Jill. This is definitely not like the other three movies. Yeah. I mean, it reveals itself to be Jill. And at this point, I was really upset because I was like, really? Like, that doesn't make a ton of sense. It doesn't. But she does reveal that they have been filming the entire thing through the masks and they are going to basically create a a movie and release it but they're going to frame Trevor for it. So she shoots him in the dick because she's kept him in a closet. Yeah. Man, I can't believe we haven't talked about that. He gets shot in the dick, Mikey. Yeah, there's a dick shot in this movie. And he's not like Henry Cavill where it would just bounce off and... (laughs) 
Well, I mean, he actually holds it like a bat, and actually, because he is uh-huh. Superman, can hit the bullets back at yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you haven't lived until you've seen bullets ricochet off of Henry Cavill's dick. <laughs> and I have lived. I have <laughs> lived. Have you guys not seen the Henry Cavill X-rated Superman? No, it's not X-rated for the reasons you might assume. <laughs> It's not because of the bullets ricocheting off his dick. Oh, oh, yeah. Th- so that it is for the reasons you assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you might think it was a porn. It is not. <laughs> it is not. No. It's just an intense action film where his dick is a weapon. And a lot of dick cock puns. Like, I thought for like <laughs> nine scenes there was like a rooster that was going to end up showing up later, but it's not that kind of cock. I feel like he, he might be embarrassed, but also useful. Henry Cavill. I will write this script for you. Get at me. I don't think he wants it. <laughs> I got the first 30 pages it. right here. I'm sitting on a gold mine, Henry. <laughs> Give me a call. I mean, who's your second choice if Henry turns you down? There is no, no second choice. Yeah. He's the only one who can fuck his way out of this problem. <laughs> it's 1130 and we are talking about Henry Cavill's dick. I just want to point that out. Yeah, let's let's wrap it up. Something that Henry Cavill doesn't need to do because he's immune to STIs. I just <laughs> I just need to do enable screen sharing for a sec. No, we gotta finish. My NyQuil's kicking them, guys. I my face is numb. You, you shouldn't have mixed them. Shit. You shouldn't have messed with science. Look, my sinuses feel better. It's the rest of me now that's having problems. <laughs> yeah, my dick can't repel any bullets. It's a problem. <laughs> anyway, so at this point, Jill basically Bond villains her plan. Of just like, I'm going to be so fucking famous, but first I got to murder this extra dude and then I got to murder Sydney, and then I got to lean up against a wall and stab myself in the shoulder and then go through a picture frame and a glass table dude, and the whole night. Dude, she messes herself up. She like goes full on like fight club while he's quitting his job. Like she does that level of beating herself up and I was here for it. My favorite is at one point she's like, what should I do? Go to college and fucking work? Get a job? Like, yeah, I was like, get oh, a job. my gosh, this generation. <laughs> she collapses next to Sydney. at which point I was like, how is there still 15 more minutes of this movie? Because we cut to the hospital where she wakes up and she's like, oh, my God, everyone died. It's so sad that Sydney's dead. And Dewey's just like, oh, no, she's uh, she's going to pull through. And she's like, fuck, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> My plan. The easy way to make sure that Sydney doesn't live is to stab her more than once gently in the stomach. She had a gun. Yeah, but she couldn't shoot her with the gun. The gun was only there for self-defense and it was like in a struggle and I got the not mm-hmm. using the gun. Just stab her a bunch more times. Like, yeah. Ghostface stabs his victims like five or six times. Like, that would not be weird. Right. Anyway, so Dewey goes to visit Gail and he's like, hey, you guys got the same injury because of the and she's like, wait, how did she know that? And he's like, ruh row. So they <laughs> run to Sydney's room. And honestly, that's the sound his brain makes. Like that is how slow <laughs> Deputy Dewey is. Yes. Meanwhile, Jill has beaten them to Sydney's room of and course. is just like kneeing her in the stitches. Can't believe this high school girl's plan's not working. <laughs> <laughs> Neither can she. She does get Dewey across the head with a bedpan a couple times. I thought Dewey might have died for a second because she beats the shit out of she him with really that bedpan. Yeah. But then she takes his gun and it becomes like a who is she going to shoot situation. Right. Which is when Deputy Homewrecker shows up. 
who the second she shows up, I was like, bulletproof vest. Oh, I thought Gail was going to use her as a human shield. Be like, shoot <laughs> this bitch. Yeah. She's trying to get my man lemon bars. Mm-hmm. Favorite moment of the movie is when the deputy stands up at the end and was like, I'm wearing the vest. And then comedically falls back down in like a dive way. Yeah. Very strange. But they do kind of use Judy. So like Jill shoots Judy. Right. Yeah. And while that's happening, Sydney has charged the defibrillators and like paddles her head. Yeah. Which would probably kill you, right? I don't know nah. if it would kill you, but it would mess you up for sure. It would mess you up. I really like how Gail is like hip to the plan too. Like she is a part of this kill as well, I think. Right. Because right, right. she is distracting Emma Roberts. While Sydney is like charging up the paddles or whatever. Right. While Jill is down, they all kind of collect in a cuddle puddle in the middle of the room and they're like, whoo, good thing that's over. And she's alive because of her bulletproof vest. And then Jill gets up with a shard of glass and they just murk her immediately. <laughs> just like, <laughs> well, Sydney does. And she's like, I always check behind me or whatever she says. Yeah. I never miss. Yeah. yeah. That side of the family is always such a bitch. <laughs> yeah. And we cut outside where all the reporters are still reporting it as if Jill is the sole survivor. Yeah, I like that actual cutaway. I thought it was cool as shit. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's, that's the movie. The movie. Only took us about two and a half hours to get through it. So, having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, and talked about Paige's Hitler Youth-style PE class, what did you guys think about Scream 4? Um, I mean, like we said earlier, it's a better movie than Scream 3, but Scream 3 is more fun. Yeah, I will definitely watch Scream 3 because Parker Posey is an angel that doesn't get enough credit for that performance. And... I probably won't ever watch this again Even though it's not like scary It's just fine It's a fine movie I don't hate it I know some people actually hate this movie Which I think is weird It's a fine Scream sequel It's not my favorite of the Scream sequels It's not as good as the original for sure But it's a fine sequel The original is so It's just so good And I get it They wanted to make sequels But like Yeah they're just not as good. The original, I think, changed the game based upon like what was popular in horror at the time yeah. to what became popular. And I think that where Scream really does a good job of like commenting on what is like pop culture in horror, I think they do a really good job of that. It doesn't always make for a great movie. Yeah, agreed. But I do like the Scream franchise. There hasn't been one that I've been like, fuck this movie, it sucks. Like they're all at least fine. Yeah. It's just hard to do slasher sequels without like some sort of like villain. Like like Michael Myers-esque villain That's why you need Like a Halloween 3 version In the Scream franchise 100% Yeah Yeah Honestly though What if Ghostface gets confused And just goes And like messes up The Westboro Baptist Church That's a movie I'd watch uh-huh. Yeah But Paige Do you have any fun facts for us? I do Well hit us with your fun facts Ghostface Fun fun fact. Uh, So this is the last one directed, but it's the last film directed by Wes Craven before he uh, passed away from brain cancer. (laughs) (laughs) Emma Roberts stabbed him to death on set. It was all part of her plan. Yeah. Because she's making the movie now. But up until his death, this was one of the only horror franchises that maintained its main characters and main actors and the original director through all of the sequels. Up until the most recent one, which is actually very rare and pretty interesting. So, I mean, that is pretty cool. I bet that he was able to do that because he was such a name in horror and had been for 40 years up till this point. Right. So, like, he was able to hold everyone together because of that, I think. Yeah, I think so. So, there are deleted scenes from this movie that explain why Sydney's dad is just not in this movie. Essentially, 
in the lore of the films, he has passed away since Scream 3. And this is the first time that Sidney has returned to Woodsboro since his passing. Okay. That's some backstory. So Kevin Williamson did write a draft of this movie. Um, but he fought with the Weinsteins, Barb, Bob and Harvey, over studio notes, which is the same thing with the previous Screams as well. Uh, so the Weinsteins again hired Aaron Kruger for rewrites. And so the script varies heavily from Kevin Williamson's original drafts, hence some of the probably more bonkers elements and the way that the ending of this one kind of mirrors the ending of the last one in that it's a person that you're like, really? Like, I guess. Yeah, it does sort of like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's like in their attempts to like get everybody to like, oh man, I never saw that coming. They pick a killer or killers that don't really make sense. Yes. Which is less fun than one that does make sense. Right. Or or at least it is a surprise, but a surprise that tracks yeah. when you think back over it. Yeah. I was all, I always knew it was you, postman. Yeah. <laughs> but those are the movies that are like good. You're like, fuck, that makes so much sense, but I never thought that. Right. As opposed to, I never thought that because it doesn't make sense. Right. Logically, we saw all two of these killers in different locations when someone was dying. Right. Yes, yeah. exactly. So in the scene that explains the Stab franchise, uh, the line about Stab 5 has time travel, which is by far the worst, is actually a nod to the fact that Wes Craven had the idea to add time travel in dreams for A Nightmare on Elm Street for the dream master but the studio rejected the idea oh no which dream master is a wild movie as well like we've done dream master but it is it's not dream warriors it is no dream warriors dream warriors is one of the best i think the second one's the best honestly Uh, the second one is really fun too a bird that exploding bird (laughs) in that movie page (laughs) there's an exploding bird and snm club for teens there's so much in that movie teens which is honestly just Hellraiser. Yeah, honestly. Uh, Wes Craven said that he wasn't going to return as a director unless the script was as good as the original Scream. So I guess he's a liar. <laughs> mm. I mean, he mm. was towards the end of his life. I, I mean, I would return to. I get of it. Of course, of course. I'd return even if it was bad. It's his baby. Yeah, let him have it's it. It's his baby. Uh, for the first time in any of the Scream movies, they actually CGI'd the knives for a lot of the stab scenes. Because they thought in previous Scream movies, some of the knives looked too fake. So, Oh, interesting. Okay. I thought the mm-hmm. knives in this one looked faker. Well, they were CGI'd, so it, they yeah, did. Yeah, they were CGI'd, yeah. <laughs> in the Stabathon scene, there's actually a dummy, like a, a fake decoration of Rose McGowan stuck in the pet door. Oh, really? Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Yep. Now, audience members in the Stabathon, you can also see some of them dressed as Dewey and Gale from various screams, <laughs> including three with the haircut. Love it. It's pretty funny. So the footage from Stab includes a credit that says a Robert Rodriguez film because Robert Rodriguez actually directed the Stab footage that they're using Love it. in this movie and has, I mean, obviously had Rose McGowan in a number of his films, but also Marley Shelton, who plays Deputy Homewrecker in this movie. Right. There is also a bust of Henry Winkler, uh, who is the principal in Scream 1 and can be seen in the hallway of the school. That's yeah. right. Okay. Yep. This is the first installment of Scream where Ghostface appeared on any of the North American posters or media release covers for the film, despite being a prominent 
like figure in the film. This is the first time marketing actually put the ghost face stuff out. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's such an iconic mask. I, even at this time, it's an iconic mask. Yep. So at the table read for this movie, uh, almost a year before it comes out, the actors and actresses were told to stop reading at page 75. So they did not know who the murderer was. And they also filmed most of the movie up to that point and did not allow people to know who was calling when they would answer a ghost face call. Okay. So they kind of pulled a screen through where people didn't fully know who the killer was, essentially. So the roles of Chloe and Rachel, who are Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell, were written to resemble Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. And there's a ton of other fun facts. I mean, it screams. So there's a million and a half things documented. We could be here all day doing fun facts. So I'll end it there. But definitely Google it. There's a ton of fun stuff about this movie. So uh, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk a little box office. So what do you think the production budget for Scream 4 was back in 2011? I'm going to give this 60K. Sixty thousand dollars. Yes, is what they spent on it because they have to get everyone back. It's also Wes Craven. It's a Scream movie. Everyone loves Scream. I bet they actually spent money on this movie. Yeah, yeah. They spent sixty thousand dollars, <laughs> is what you're saying, Paige. Yeah, because how much do you think they paid everyone who was in it? Probably somewhere in the millions. Yeah. Sorry, sixty million. <laughs> I'm just—I finally caught when you. I was like, "What are you?" Yeah, sixty million is not crazy. What are we doing? Yeah, I'm gonna say forty-five. Okay, you're both a little high, honestly. Although, Paige, I think your reasoning is right on, but they yeah. paid forty million dollars. Okay, to make the movie, but this was 2011. That would be fifty-two point six million dollars today. Okay, so closer if you account for today's. Dollars, right? Because of inflation. Mm-hmm. So the movie premiered on April 15th, 2011, and it was number two at the box office. It was beat by Rio, that was number one. Scream 4 was number two. Hop was number three. Hannah was number four. And Soul Surfer was number five. Other notable movies that we've done, Insidious was number seven. Ooh. Yeah. So, and uh, Atlas Shrugged was number 14 because that movie's. Terrible. Okay, so what do you think Scream made in its opening weekend? 20 mil. No, I'm going to say 17. Okay, Paige, what do you think? Mm, Opening weekend, I'm going to go 20. Okay, so it made $18.6 million its opening weekend, and its next weekend it dropped 62% to $7 million, and it was fifth on the charts. (laughs) So it didn't hold... All that great week over week, but it it still was in theaters for 11 weeks, but it was out of the top five after its first two weeks. It was second, fifth, and then way out of the top five. So what do you think it made domestically in the box office? I'm going to say this still makes budget. like a hundred. Yeah, at least budget, but also, well, I guess domestically. Yeah, just domestically. Maybe 75. Okay. I'm going to say 62. Okay, it made $38.1 million domestically, which is pretty bad, although it was saved by the international market. It made $57.8 million internationally, so the total it made 
was 95.9. It's almost $96 million. And if you adjust that for inflation, so if you're looking at today's dollars, that would be $126.3 million. Although it did also make $9.7 million in the home market. So it did, even in 2011 dollars, it made over $100 million, which I think it, it has to have made money. The $40 million budget, if you double that for marketing, it still made 22 or so million dollars. Yeah. Good. But that is your box office. Mikey, do you want to hit him with that scary scale? Yeah, scary scale listeners, a scale of one to ten of how scary we found the film when we watched it this time. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our ten example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Paige. Uh, this is a one for me. Todd. It's also a one for me. And it was also a one for me, dog. That makes sense. And that, listeners, was the scary scale. All right. Well, this week, you guys made me watch, and when I say you guys, I mean the listeners made me watch Scream 4. What are you two making me watch next week? Mikey, do you want to do the honors? Yes. I finally convinced everyone we're going to do Predator 2. I'm not sure he convinced so much as told us that (laughs) we were going to do Predator 2, but next week we will be diving into the madness that is Predator 2. Very excited, actually. The perfection. Yeah. I mean, I'm honestly a little excited. Gary Busey and Danny Glover and Danny Glover with a pistol that has a laser sight on it. Like, (laughs) I'm excited for that kind of level of crazy. Yes. I love it. We might even have a special Predator correspondent joining us as a guest. Always. Yeah. It's essential. But like not in a bad way. Like he's not like a predator. No, 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 no. It's not like a Chris Hansen type predator. It is very much like a knowledgeable expert on the Predator universe. Yeah. Film Um, franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your homework for next week is to watch a truly bonkers Predator sequel and then check back for the episode on it. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Oh, no, I definitely don't. Well, (laughs) while you're looking one up, let me tell them how they can have their review run on the podcast, and that is to leave us a five-star text review, and we'll have Mikey read it for you. So, Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? We got a lot of new reviews. We got a few. Yeah, we're doing all right. All right, I'm going to do, oh, God, hear it. (laughs) Herak Delest. Well, what does Herak Delest have to say? They say, you ever consider cannibalism's potential? Okay, so the full <laughs> title is, ever consider cannibalism's potential to cure global warming? Question mark. I have. I mean, I do think that we've talked about it, yeah. Then this is the podcast for you. That's just a glimpse of the type of laughs you will can gain from the, totally save that that you can gain from the podcast. I think out of context the question of ever consider cannibalism's potential to cure global warming is not like the best way to hook in new listeners, but I I get it. Yeah. It might be the worst way. <laughs> Paige Todd and Mikey bring so much humor to your favorite and not so favorite horror movies. Not many hosts can jump effortlessly from a movie review to the merits, question mark, question mark, horror, question mark, question mark, of cannibalism the way that this trio can. (laughs) Question, question. We got to eat a billion people. We got to eat a billion. That's so many people, guys. Todd, if we just kill them, there's really not a, what a waste. Anyway, are you shocked, (laughs) concerned, scared? Yes. Don't worry. Oh, okay. Good to know. Thanks. You'll understand once you take the chance on this podcast and let these three have you laughing until you wheeze with the humor and chemistry that can only come from true friendship. You also get the anticipation of waiting for the day where Mikey will tell Todd he loves him. Oh, we're all waiting for that day. Oh, man. If you get to the... (laughs) 
I will. I could do a fundraiser for it, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> you were going to make it a fuck you level tier on Patreon, weren't you? <laughs> I fucking know it. For $10,000. $10,000? He'd eat someone for cheaper. That's insane. Yeah, there's 7 billion people. It's a supply and demand thing. Human meat is real cheap nowadays. <laughs> yeah. This podcast has become such a go-to to cure any sad, angry mood that I find myself in. I eagerly await every new episode. Five stars. Thank you for that well-thought-out and well-written review. Well, Harak Deleste, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your review, leave us a five-star review. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. TikTok. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the mm-hmm. regular feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me, but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable. That's fine. But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin. We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by Tia, and Tia's teenagers driving her crazy. And let me tell you how Tia's teenagers been driving her crazy. Tell us. She's been walking around with knives and putting the blade in her shoulder and then walking into walls. <laughs> it's a very elaborate self-harm. It is. Yep. It's like, why? You're not only damaging your shoulder, but also your mother's walls. Mm-hmm. Rude. Mm-hmm. I damaged your mother's walls. What oh, good Lord. is Holy shit. happening? <laughs> Mikey, like, chose evil on this episode. This episode also brought to you by Jonathan. And Jonathan wants to make you guys watch some spooky spider videos. But I think we're not going to have to watch one today. I honestly don't know. I haven't seen the video he sent me yet. So let me show it to you guys. See, I just don't get the TikToks. I mean, this isn't like most TikToks. This is an elaborate setup of a man dressed as Satan. This reminds me of like really old internet Ask a Ninja. Do you guys remember Ask a Ninja? Yeah, I remember Ask a Ninja. Fucking loved Ask a Ninja. But instead of that, it's like Ask Satan. I do like the premise of Satan answering questions. Mm -hmm. But if you want to know if we would send you to hell for anything you've done, please reach out to us. We will let you know. We'll make a Patreon bonus episode around it. That would be fun. That would be very fun. So, Jonathan, thank you so much for uh, giving us a reprieve from Spooky Spider videos. We appreciate it. 
we now return you to another episode of uh, the, the Patreonicals. Okay, what uh, time period are we going in? Oh, that's right. We quantum leaped out of 1920s Chicago. I think we should jump to 1880s London. Okay, okay. Let me just say this. Jack the Ripper. I know. <laughs> okay. All right. It's 1880s London. Anthony, the Time Master, and Jennifer, they're full on making out as they quantum leap into the, they're like, in, in the between the time leaps, they make out in front of them. It's very rude. That wow. That is sort of rude. You're right. It is sort of rude, Todd. I mean, I have never done that in front of you. <laughs> so anyway, 1880s <laughs> Hey, you're the one that chose to go to Chewy's with me and Natalie. That's on you. I've never again. Never again. <laughs> Hashtag never forget. Uh, 1880s London. Mr. Ragebomb runs a steam engine in a child laundry facility where he... I'm sorry. Ran... Is the steam engine also a child's laundry facility? Yeah, that's it, how they get it clean with the yeah. steam. The tiny hands get out tiny wrinkles. No, I understand why you would have child labor doing the, the laundry. That makes perfect <laughs> sense to me. My confusion is, is this laundry on a steam engine or is the steam engine inside the laundry facility? It's inside. He picked okay. up a side job. Okay. Doing it. Yeah. Um. Obviously... Kate flies up with her psychic powers. Obviously. And she finds Amy and she's like, Amy, can you make a time machine to fight the Time Lord in the 1880s? And Amy's like, nah, bitch. It's like, absolutely not. They haven't discovered electricity, really. I can't yeah. build a time machine with the crap they have now. Yeah, they're like teasing it. What do I look like? H.G. Wells or whatever? And then she's like, <laughs> I don't need the sass. We're like trapped in time. And then that's the for them today. And then... Uh, <laughs> Shining Donut, he's also by the, the child's laundry facility. He's feeding all of the homeless child labor kids that are stuck on the streets. I read about that once in 1880s London. There was a lot of like poor children back there. But he he's the pudding. He's the pudding? Shining Donut. He's what pudding? Their dessert. Oh, so they're just eating Shining Donut pudding. Pudding is what they call dessert over there. You've been. I mean, they also call desserts by the name of the thing that they're eating. That doesn't sound British. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I ate is some spotted dick. You know what I'm saying? Which is a type of pudding. It is. Yeah. I remember King Ralph episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get the shit on the road. Scott made the thing. <laughs> He, he's got a hard time in 1880s London. Yeah, because he looks like the thing. So he just jumped into the Thames and sunk to the bottom. The Thames. He jumped into the Thames, Paige. Thames. Thames. No, I think it's the Thames. I think you're saying it wrong, Paige. I've only read that word, and it is T-H-A-M-E-S, I believe. That's true. I mean, that does make sense. Maybe they should speak English better. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. That is the problem. <laughs> People in the UK can't speak English. It's not my fault they let other people invade them and change their words, and then they couldn't fight them off, unlike America. There's so many problems with the things you said. I just don't know where to start and or if I want to put in the emotional labor I would have to do to teach you how Unfortunately, to... Unfortunately, we don't have time. But Allie, <laughs> go, she dives in to the Times... Because she's a mermaid. And so she gets her mermaid. Her and Scott are hanging out. And they're like, this time travel stuff sucks. And then a body, a dead body drops next to them. It's torn up. It's from Jack the Ripper, Paige. Jack the Ripper, the famous killer. I've never heard of it. <sighs> well, we don't have time to get into that now. But just know he's very famous. Yeah. Uh, if you say so. Okay. Anyway, so Dave and Karoon are like, we got to find this Jack the Ripper guy. And so they go off to find him. And then uh, uh, Wes, the Voldemort guy, 
he um, was put in a old timey circus, the one uh, Galafalar circus. Galafalar? Is that what you said? Do you mean Trafalgar? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. <laughs> Did you really think it was called Galafagar? I don't remember yeah, what it was Tom, called. Tom, <laughs> Tom Galafagar. Tom Bimbaldi told him Tom about Bimbaldi, it. Tom <laughs> Bimbaldi, when he was rapping about trees. <laughs> hey, Paige, when you were in the UK, did you ever go to Gafalfka or Square? No. Honestly, Trafalgar Square is pretty dope. It's pretty cool. <laughs> but that Piccadilly Circus, man, it's a shitty ass circus. Pretty shitty circus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh,. Nathan, the professional wrestler, is like literally the biggest dude that's ever walked on London because like people back then just didn't eat right and all that stuff. So he, he was so big that when he walked through London, they said he walked on London. <laughs> that's how big he was, Paige. Okay, so the Mun people are all, they all hijacked a train in the tube. That's what they call the subway. That is what they call the subway. Yes, Mikey. Well done. So Libby and Aaron were like, and Danielle were like, we just got to keep moving like Snowpiercer and not stop. Because we're not, we're from the moon. They're gonna kill us, so they just do that. Okay. And then uh, Alex, the magician, he's right at home. This is like his time period. This is like a magician's like golden era. Yeah. yeah this is. Like oh yeah. John Wayne's old west. You know what I'm saying? People thought science was black magic. Like all you had to do to be a, a magician was like know how to add numbers. Like it's that level of like barrier to entry. Yeah. It's... 2020. Yeah. Wait. What? What? And uh, Lauren, the cave woman, she I'm running out of stuff I know about 1880s London. So she is going to she like saw a guy wearing a big top hat, you know, and she clubbed the shit out of him because she, she thought it was like a weird thing. So she thought it was like a crow sitting on his head. So yeah. like, yeah, she didn't know what it was. She's from the primordial time. Yeah. She's she, never seen a 10 gallon hat. So she got put in old timey jail where Jeremy, the guy with laser eyes, cuts a hole in the wall and gets her out because she doesn't belong there. I love she's it. Like Encino man in this <laughs> patriarchals type deal. She is sort of like Encino man. Yes. Yeah. That's how it goes. And then at the end, you find out Isaac was actually. The friends we made along the way the whole time. Jack the Ripper. He was Jack the Ripper. Wait, what? He was, he was cutting their organs out and eating them. That actually makes sense because he was doing his part in the 1880s London to try and curb global warming. Exactly. Yeah, do you know how bad coal is for the fucking atmosphere? He's a fucking hero. Yeah. We've got to go back to whale oil. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Bo Easy and Cody, they go to an old-timey London pawn shop, and they buy a, a pocket watch. And he's like, I dare you to eat it, Florida dude. <laughs> and Bo Easy eats that fucking pocket watch. Of course he would, because he's a Florida man. Yeah. But he was also wearing high heel white boots. Love it. Yeah. I get the reference. Thank you. Then they leap away. Well, we'll have to find out where they leap to next week on another episode of uh, The, the Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it ooky spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. Started recording at 9 o'clock, and it's now 12.05 a.m. Nerds. So sleepy. <laughs> so sleepy. Good night, motherfuckers. ha, ha, ha.